Go fuck yourself. That's what my kids will think. Your children's admiration is important to you? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, I doubt they ever admired you, Bob. Hey, asshole, aren't you supposed to be consoling me? I'm not a shrink, Bob. I'm a wake-up call. You know why kids love athletes? Oh, because they screw lingerie models. No, that's why we love athletes. Kids love athletes because they follow their dreams. Well, I can't dunk. No, but you can cook. What are you talking about? Your resume says that you minored in French culinary arts. Most students there were going to fryer at KFC, but you bust tables at Il Picador to support yourself. And then you get out of college, and you come and you work here. How much did they first pay you to give up on your dreams? 27 grand a year. And when were you going to stop and come back and do what makes you happy? Good question. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California. Well, to the New York. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does I think we're just in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Liam. And that's it. Yeah. We're not even playing a joke this time, folks. No. <laughs> just us two. Yeah, it's the thing. Uh, Georgia's got some uni work and she swamped. So uh, she will be joining us, she hopes, later on when we do the end game. We welcome Reverend Bruce. Yeah, fingers uh, crossed. She's hoping she'll be able to make it back in time, and that would be great. And then Ethan had a personal circumstance come up, and so he definitely won't be joining us for the end game or yeah, any sadly. part before then. Yeah. yeah. So those of you who think that George and Ethan might be the same person, you, that theory can still can still go forward. Things are a little bit up in the air at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> As we tackle episode number 157. Up in the air. This is your captain speaking. We are now at an elevation uh, 1,500 feet. Yeah. Not, um, that, not that high. And, and I'm your co-pilot um, with we're, my eyes shut. We're all <laughs> going to die. <laughs> you don't want me flying your plane. <laughs> we'll be loop the loops Hey, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of similarities here between people who are frequent flyers and frequent listeners. Yeah. Of the BFE. And I feel like if we had like a 10 million mile club, it would consist of the following. That's our Patreon backers. Yeah. We got to thank Reverend Bruce, Julene, yeah. Hermes. All right. James DeGuzman. Come on. Lena Oberholzer. That's what I'm talking about. Katie McRae. Yeah. Ensign Ian Davies. All right. Chris Peterson. Boom. Randall Silva. Cool. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. The Yeetmeister. Yeet. Nate. The Great. Andy Dixon. Woo. Holly Callen. Yeah. Cheesy. With a fish on her bike. Richard. Woo. And the cool cat, Ryan Kukats. Yeah. I was going to throw to you, but I wasn't sure if you'd know <laughs> yeah. exactly See? what the See, I was doing the right one. Right? <laughs> I should have more faith. Uh, uh, let, you work with me too long. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, I'm going to do a couple, couple quick promos. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, we dropped our um, interview that George and I did with Dylan Gladhorn. Everybody out there in the microphone land, uh, we dropped it on... Friday. Friday, yeah, it'd be the day. And uh, what an opportunity to sit and just have an hour to talk about what's even the process of writing music for the screen. Yeah. And someone goes, here's, okay, here's what, here's what the visuals are. Now you put music to it. 
Do you, um, many composers, I'm assuming they see pictures first to yes. make the music to, because, rather than make the music to... Well, he'll walk you through the whole gamut of that, but yeah. Wow. They receive it with something called picture lock, we found out very early, and basically, because you need to know how long everything needs to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of kettle of fish on the other side there is going how do how do you write because what sounds like it might be an easy oh, i love this a little bit i'm gonna have it go on for for, for eight more beats mm-hmm. well no that doesn't work so it needs to end in six beats because in six beats the bad guys come through the door and there needs to be an end <laughs> of and, and they'll tell you this stuff and so you're kind of going i want to make it work musically but in the same breath you know what he does is the is the art of uh is, is the art of you know producing sound for for visuals to accompany mm. visuals yeah, yeah, yeah so he goes into that whole process and he talks about you know we talk about uh the difference between zimmer and williams yep and he gives his thoughts on it uh he talks about some um some individual pieces and i even said hey it's got some flavor of this and i guess correctly on what his inspiration was on a couple of occasions yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know me i kind of i kind of like it when i when i, when I get things right like that so uh, of course it's a really fascinating listen and so whether you've seen headless or not i think it's irrelevant if you want to know about the um just about, about the art of scoring the art of producing music and how for, to compose yeah, and like yeah. what that process is like. You don't have to have seen Clueless to get any of this. Like none of it's no, like no, no. like plot specific. So there's somebody out there who hasn't listened to it going on and see Headless. No, I hear you. And I would recommend Headless is great. It really is. That's why we voted it our series of the year here at the BFE on the Besties. Yeah. But um, if you just want to, you don't have to know. If you've seen it, it'll add a layer to it. Absolutely. But you can enjoy everything we talk about with without that. He was mm. kind enough to let us use extracts from the music in the interview. Wow. So he'll be talking about a piece, and I've put the piece underneath it so you can kind of hear That's nice. what's going on as it's going on. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. So uh, it's, I, it's just really fascinating. Listen, I really like when we get to talk to people who work in the industry Absolutely. and ask them the sort of questions that, you know, odds that we, are. That we don't know. That we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm not, you know, I've got ideas about things I'd like to do, but, you know, on that scale – I might not ever, 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 ever be on that side of it. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll always be on the on the analytical side of that. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? So, so it lets me have that moment anyway. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, we also did our quiz night, Redemption Island, where five last place finishers try to prove they're not the ultimate loser. <laughs> so there we go. I will say that Georgia is in the cast. <laughs> as is friend oh. of the podcast, neighbor of the podcast, Debbie is also in Ooh. that group. So as well as some of our uh, podcasting friends yeah. out there around the world so um and then uh, also on brought up the week we had a busy week this coming friday we're releasing our latest episode we're calling it friends of the podcast in the short term oh, okay although we do have a third name which is in the episode so we can go ahead and give a listen to that one and see if i like it better we stumbled upon something and went oh, oh this might be better so okay. give it a listen people and then we'll finally decide how to full name one of these times but we're doing the the, the one with the blackout Oh, cool. Yeah, where Chandler's trapped in a vestibule with Jill Goodacre. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So she said vestibule. I'm saying vestibule. Uh, (laughs) Directed by James Burroughs, who did all the Cheers episodes. Cheers, yeah. Yeah, so it feels very sitcom-y, and I'm like classic sitcom-y, and I'm like, oh, you got got James Burroughs doing it. Nice. Yeah, so there's some some, some touches there. So actually- over here in in Great Britain, um, the, the, the Friday night slot, 
that we had Cheers do. Yeah. That's where Friends replaced. Yeah, that's kind of what happened in, in uh, North America as well. Eight o'clock on Thursdays, NBC, that was the Cheers slot. Oh, okay. And then Friends inherited that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh, cool. So th- there was that sort of setup for success and familiarity. And, oh, it's home. Home is Thursday at eight o'clock, right, on NBC. Yeah. So uh, there's that. And also in traditional, there's a joke, which is kind of unlike, it's really interesting to go back and analyzing Friends. It's really, really interesting on that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at there's a joke that they make in friends that they wait like 15 minutes to pay off for a second time oh, okay. that's very james burroughs yeah to, to, to wait on a joke yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's clever because like in like the, the the pilot for friend uh, first for cheers there's a joke where uh, sam mistakenly calls diana hooker he doesn't mistakenly he tells he tells coach <laughs> that she's a hooker just to mess with her yeah and they wait about 15 minutes until finally coach tells every we haven't they've mentioned anything about it and then coach reminds everybody that she's a hooker and it's like no coach no it's not she's not really a hooker. but the, so by the time, that time you've forgotten the the original jokes yeah, when he brings yeah, it up yeah. again it's like oh, that's right he did say that yeah so there's a joke in friends that's very much like that nice. so that should be good um, so go ahead and check that out when that drops on Friends Friday. Friends hey, Friday. You said Friday night at 8 o'clock, so there here we go. There it we won't are. be 8 o'clock. It'll be 1 a.m. our time <laughs> I drop it. But yeah, a Friends Friday, the one nice. with the blackout. For our Patreon backers, we're going to get the whole season one. Uh, any episodes we might be doing up there so you guys can comment. We're going to try and knock that out in the next couple of weeks. Georgia is ridiculously busy with university assignments this week, so mm-hmm. it might. she's the only one who has access to the Patreon because you have to pay more if you want multiple people to have access to it. <laughs> and I'm just going, no. No, I'm, I think I think I think my my my, my cup is full. So, oh, that's that's, um, that's brimming. That's uh, over overflowing. <laughs> my cup yeah. floweth over. It does. In 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 the Bible, my- Reverend Bruce will tell us <laughs> your cup running over is a good metaphor. But in this case, it's like a batch of Baker's batch beer, and it's just spilling <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. And if you don't know what that is, you need to go back and check out some deep cuts of the podcast. Mine, on the other hand, is like a shot glass. <laughs> with very little in it <laughs> there's definitely very little in it <laughs> i don't know how big the cup is <laughs> uh, let's do some reflections and corrections cool um hermes had one for ethan i wish ethan was here to, to call oh. out but yeah he said there's that feeling when ethan says he's a favorite person that isn't me because ethan was very effusive in his praise for james de guzman he was very effusive in he his was. praise. Yeah, I, I, and and first off, we should say, well done, James. Good movie chosen. It was thoroughly enjoyed it. Numbers have been good. Numbers have been very good. Oh, nice. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to sit here and go. It's not about the numbers. It's partially about the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we do like the numbers. We do like the numbers. We it's do. nice to know people are listening. This is why you do it. You, you put a it numbers out guy. You yeah, know, you, you put it out there, hoping yeah. people will listen. It is the metric. It is the measuring stick by which we go. Uh, oh, doing okay. There's a couple now, a couple of metrics. One is the download numbers, and the other one's going to be, how, you know, how's Patreon doing? Yeah, yeah, And those are kind of the ones, but the rawest version still is, how's, how, how's the listens? Cause so you never like when I bring a movie to we the ain't in this to, We ain't in this to get rich. We, we love no. our Patreon backers, and it's about keeping the pod self-sustaining. So God bless every Patreon backer we have. Well, we never it, thought we'd get this It far. ain't about getting rich. Uh, nah. we're, we're, we're slowly but surely upgrading some equipment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, hey, I've got my new mic. There you go. You got your new mic. Yeah. And uh, Georgia has ordered. Oh, she's got some new headphones. Oh, good. So they have come out of the Patreon. We, we haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. She's done, she's done at least one episode with them. Uh, and we'll be working on her getting a microphone next. And then it'll be Ethan for the at home setup. Yeah. And getting him a good USB mic that he can go ahead and plug and play. I think I've got something in mind for him. Probably, I'll probably do the same as the same brand as the rest of us. So at least we're. Well, yeah. 
for no other reason than just uh, that's the way my, my twitchy brain works. And I'm like, no, no, we can't have we can't have three roads and no. then and then and, and, and the road procaster and have him sitting with some other brand of his. No, my brain will go. That will explode. Um, yeah. So uh, also, Hermes says, random. Does anyone need to change the batteries in their smoke alarm? I think that was James. Yeah, I yeah, think that yeah, was James. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was wondering. I was recording. I was like, maybe a whole lot won't get into it. Some of it got into it. Oh, Some okay. of it got into it. So thank you, everybody. Who uh, I'm assuming James is safe. I'm assuming he's good. Um, so uh, we we want to thank him for coming on out. And, Absolutely. Uh, he must listen to our besties episode because he says, "I stand by it." Georgia still is the best Batman voice. Well, you know, maybe that's what she's doing now. Maybe maybe she's protecting Gotham. I don't know. <laughs> Um, friends of ours at Latin Jukebox said, just listen to the Glass episode, sorry, the Glass Onion episode from the BFE. Awesome summary. Had to listen to it in three different moments because of its length. Yeah, we're, that, yeah that, that's us. Yeah, we are. We're lengthy. <laughs> but says, but says, because of its length, but loved it. Five stars. Thank you oh, so thanks. much. Um, How weird is this, though, right? I yeah. was out, uh, out and about on a little bit of a jaunt on my day off, uh, my only day off uh, during the week, and um, I came what I th- across what I thought was a glass onion. <laughs> oh. which it wasn't it was a glass um pumpkin oh, okay which i thought was quite weird and um because I, I was going to send it to you going oh look a glass onion oh no it's a pumpkin it's a pumpkin so i didn't send it <laughs> i suppose not um then we've got uh poet laurie the podcast Dwayne smith Dwayne smith says there's a mistake i think i made says i have a mistake to report Sorry. When you were talking about friends, you read out two of Ensign Ian Davies' tweets, but actually you didn't read those. You read two of mine. Hashtag, there's a mistake. Now, I'm going to say this because we have a competition going. This is a mistake that only two people in the world would know that it happened. (laughs) One was Ensign Ian Davies, who you'll notice did not correct me. (laughs) No, no. And the other was Dwayne. Dwayne's 100% right because I caught it myself when I was listening back to it before before he even messaged me. I went... I can swear that was Dwayne. And then I looked it up and yeah, it was Dwayne. So oh, sorry yeah. about that, bro. Uh, Ethan, use your judgment. Is it, is it worthy? Is it not? I'd argue not because not everybody could access that was a mistake. But if you want to reward it, you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but he does say, I love the name you guys decided on. It fits perfectly with the BFE format. I hear you, bro. I'm still kind of up in the air. Hey, <laughs> about, about the name. There's another one that I kind of like. Listen to this week's episode. Tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to Mary Kate Wiles, who's one of the actresses for from shipwrecked who uh uh commented that she very much enjoyed listening to the chat with dylan uh very thankful to the bfe for continuing to champion the headless and shipwreck comedy overall and i said hey we're we're, we're just thrilled that everybody from uh, headless is so um giving in their time w- welcoming and giving yeah, their time yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and making it so that we can uh we, we we've had access and that's amazing they could easily go who are you guys exactly yeah and yet to, uh, to to give it their time and just be, and not even just over time, and not, not sitting there just putting in, you know, it, it, it feels, everyone there felt genuine, everyone there felt kind-hearted, and they were just within their very, very, very busy schedules. Mm-hmm. If they can make it work, they, found, make it, they yeah. found a way to make it work and give us over time, and it was very generous. So, uh, and I know it meant a lot to Georgia, so thank you it very much, everybody, because it was, it was huge, it was huge for all of us, but it was huge especially for Georgia, so yeah. thank you very much. Um... Thea slash Layla, two names on the Twitter account, so I'm going to run with both of them. It says, just finished listening to the Dylan Gladhorn interview this morning. Uh, Dylan speaks with such passion and helps share so many details about the process. So interesting to learn and loved listening to the hosts. Well, thank you very much. There we are. 
I think it was Dwayne Smith. Did I mention this last week? Called me the best voice in, in podcasting. Oh. Yeah. Hey. So, so he really likes Georgia as well. He had to put that at the end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I was like, wow. I hate my wasn't dulcet. Wasn't expecting that. I hate my dulcet tones. Not so much because of my voice, although... You do. You have a you have a, a bounce in your voice. To listen to it, sometimes I'm like, yeah, good pipes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, mm, I'm not sure you're as clear as you think you are. No, I don't know. You can maybe I'm just in tune maybe. with your voice. Maybe. I I just pick it up really quickly. But but to be George in a poll with Dwayne Smith was something. I was like, wow. Oh, it wasn't yeah. even like who's the best voice in the pod. It was who's the best voice in podcasting. And he came out with me, and I was like, whoa, mucho gracias, much obliged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just I sound like Seth MacFarlane. You just have uh, a natural talent of this. Oh, you're too kind. No, you do. You do. You do. You're very comfortable with the mic straight away. Me on the other. I'll hand, say that. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Me on the other hand, if you listen to the early episodes, yeah, like yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. First episode. I mean, yeah, you do sound like, and you're very, you were very hesitant to jump in. I was, and it took a bit. And so, I mean, I was just doing a bad impression. I remember at the end of it going. I'm not sure if we got the format right. All we did was just talk our way through the movie in order, which is basically all we do now. Yeah, but isn't it great, though? Because we now find our voice. We now find our format. We yep. now find these things. Yep. We stumble upon these things. We don't really think about these things. They just happen most of the time. Very rarely do I say, I've got this idea. Usually it happens organically throughout. We go, oh, that worked. Let's just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember I was looking at some, some, some feedback, some questions someone was asking the masses. And they said, what do you do when you get negative feedback? And I said, okay, what kind of negative feedback? Is, is it legitimately constructive? Because if it's just abuse, then I just don't, I don't pay attention. Yeah, to don't it. pay attention. And then there's the other kind, which goes, does it cause us to challenge our USP, our unique selling point, the thing mm-hmm. that makes us us? And so we've had feedback in the past. I'll be, I'll be very open with us. This is, you guys are just too long of a pod. Yeah, that was the biggest one, wasn't it? And it happens every now and then. We get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, yeah, if you're out there looking for a 30-minute pod, you will not like us. Mm-hmm. Fact. But the people who do listen to us every week obviously dig the format. Yep. And that's kind of unique to us is that we go this 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 level of depth mm-hmm. with the voices that we have to talk about it. And we do go on tangents. Someone else said, you take 30 minutes or 25 minutes to get to. <laughs> I put timestamps there. You can, you can jump ahead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm like, so no, I'm not going to let constructive criticism in that case push me off of what I think makes us us. Because that's so, what makes the chemistry. Yeah, because if we're not, we're not, no podcast is going to be for everybody. So no, I'm yeah, not going to let. I remember once we had one which came in saying you guys are too long, there's too much Ian. That came across once. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that one though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll notice, like, I read a two. You're next week. <laughs> I'll be on my own. <laughs> oh, no, you'll be out. It'll just be me going. Oh, I'm all by myself. Yeah. All <laughs> uh, by myself. And I remember we had a member of the pod who was like, "We need to listen to this." And I was like, "No, we don't." <laughs> and it wasn't because of the too much Ian thing. It was me going, "I don't know how else the format works unless one person's driving the bus." You need someone driving. It could be someone else. I mean, it yeah, could. Yeah, yeah. It could be. You, it could be Georgia, it could be Ellie, it could be Ethan, it could be anybody at that point. I'm not being funny. The only other person in this podcast that could probably sustain that would be Ethan, um, other than yourself. I know I couldn't. Yeah. You know, you you think of what your brain moves at, like, warp speed. It's incredible. Pleasure. You know, and it's it's, what people don't see when we do this is I get to watch you. (laughs) You know, and they only get to hear you. Yeah. You know, I get to, to watch and enjoy everything you do, you know. And sometimes you'll see me just go, 
Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, we do very little editing these days, guys. Yeah. I really just kind of take the sound. So if you're like, oh, he, they must have had a second go at that. The only things we occasionally redo is if I haven't thought of a line for the very, very end of the pod. Yeah. That's the only thing that sometimes I'll have that a second stab at it. It really happens where you won't It doesn't happen some... anymore that often. No, and no, usually no, no. if it does, I'll keep the part where I couldn't think of one in, <laughs> as the coda. Yeah. So you do get the whole process. But no, I've gotten better at some elements like that. And then outside of that, yeah, just uh, we've, we've run into a groove and it's, it's, it's really nice to have it. Do you know what I love about our podcast though, right? What's that? When, when we listen, when I listen back to you, I don't listen to every episode, but I listen to mainly the ones I'm not on. <laughs> but what I like is um, the chemistry we all have and we're okay uh, poking fun at ourselves. Yes. You know, not many people would do, uh, there's a mistake I've made, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we do, we do. And we celebrate it, you know, we so do. We're really yeah, human. Yeah. At the end and every of now and then we have human moments and we go, oh, it's a bit bristly. It doesn't have that often though. It doesn't, not that, no. not that element. Usually it's more about the movies than ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll take, Hey, you can, you can insult me all you want. Just yeah. don't pick on the prestige. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so what do we got here? We've got, uh, oh, now we're, now we're on to general shout outs. Thank you. General shout outs. Uh, shout outs generally to Josh, your next, favorite, your next favorite movie. He was fantastic all the time at ringing the clacks and sound of the bell for us. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Thank you. Go check him out. He, if, if you want that 30 minute podcast, heck, you'll have 10, 15 minutes to spare. <laughs> Josh gets in and out in a, in a tight 20. Like 20 is a long episode for him. Well, that's, you know. Where sometimes we go four hours. <laughs> four hours. I remember when two hours was BFF long. of the BFE <laughs> episode. Yeah. The, the thing was, we had to make a choice then. Do we just stop engaging with, with our listenership? Exactly. Or do we, and I'm, I, I didn't want to chop the review down because the reviews, it, it's a deep dive. It's what we do. It is. So the decision was made. And that's why we have timestamps. I unapologetically go, yeah, we're long. Okay. We do, um, we have cut a little few bits out like um where we charted and stuff yeah i usually mention if it's a super noteworthy yeah i don't know how much time we're saving but i'm, I'm trying to be a bit more dip- diplomatic with some with some things yeah yeah but if something came up and was really big i'd go hey boom <laughs> talk talking to mickey still charts that's incredible. it's down to two countries now singapore and italy but it's still oh, it's still charts yeah, but that's great. on a daily basis that's amazing i'm like if we ever do a disney movie i'm gonna have to throw it up there and just to make sure that it stays chartable yeah absolutely. even though we haven't released new content in almost I want to say almost two years. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was a conscious decision, though, wasn't it? To uh, Yeah, looked at it, and you went, one of these should get our full attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was weird at the start. Talking to Mickey was the bigger podcast by far. Yep. It was doing, like, four times the numbers because it found that Disney niche real quick. Mm-hmm. But then it bumped its head. Yeah. And then this kept growing. And the only thing you, with Disney is... You only have a certain amount of films or well, then, animation. And, and then you'd be done. done. Yeah. yeah, because we were starting to spread out and going, oh, shoot, we're, we're going to run out. So we did Marvel and we did um, other things under the Disney yeah, banner. Yeah, yeah. Anything that was on the Disney Network was pretty much up for grabs. Mm-hmm. But we did Star Wars and we did all sorts of things like that. But it still, it was sitting there. And we also burned through a lot of good ones. So sitting there going. Yeah. But there were some big ones we never did. We never did Lion King. Wow. Yeah. We never did Lion King. Uh, we never did... I had lists. I had the the elite list, which you had to clear it with me now, Mel, before you picked it, mm-hmm. or else we'd be out. You had your pretty good list, and you had your eh, and then you had your terribles. And I'm like, we need to do more eh and terribles, and no one wants to do the eh or terribles. No, that's true. Big shout out to our friends at uh, Defining Disney. They've just finished their 60th episode. They've done the run. They're taking a break. Well done. Well done, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kev for the podcast that wouldn't die. Uh, happiest man in podcasting. Thanks yeah, a lot. He always is. Uh, Ian Davies says, gift of the week is not rigged. That's what I'd say <laughs> if I was running it and winning it myself. Uh, the Jacked Up Review Show. That's a new one there. Thanks a lot, guys, for yeah. uh, giving a shout out. Uh, Ray from Being Bookish. 
Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, to uh, James and Lisa from um, Scriptical, who thought that I'd published a six-hour version of uh, Glass Onion. <laughs> and I kept repeating. I'm like, God, I'm pretty sure it's just your individual download. And bless him, he can come back to me. It happens at this point. I'm like, I'm sending him screen caps going, guy, here it is on Apple Podcast, and here it is on Spotify. Yeah. Here's the raw file on my computer. <laughs> It's it's a it's like three forty nine or whatever it was. I'm like it's what it is. But he kept until eventually he went. Okay, I think you might be right. I think it might just be mine. I said yeah, but I, I said still I still appreciate you drawing to my attention because when mistakes do happen, like what happened with Hermes last week, yeah, and he noticed a minute of, of blankness. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm not gonna get I'm not, you know me. I'm not gonna get all butthurt about it. I'm like no no. That, if, if it needs to fix it, then I need to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then it was just a hard time just convincing them there really isn't a mistake. I think it's your copy. And we don't want the the um, the air going silent, do we? No. Uh, for, for if, if it's for a minute and stuff. Yeah. Because it's, people start thinking, oh, has, is something wrong? Is The mistakes are so easy to make. Yeah. Yep. Gift of the week. Um, the word was shithead. <laughs> shithead. Thanks, James. <laughs> so we had entries from Hermes, Anthony, and Davies. Uh, we had Josh, and his next favorite movie, Chris Peterson, Andy Dixon, Cheesy, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Uh, I think there was one more that came in late. It wouldn't. It wasn't top three. Uh, I'm going to go with third place going to Andy Dixon, who had a literal like it's like someone made like a poop emoji head, yeah, and placed it on their head, a big plastic poop emoji. Yeah. Uh, didn't quite have the level of like that chocolate brown. It was more like a like a sandy coral. So I was like, <laughs> it was okay. It was all right. That that's my that's my third place. Second place goes to Cheesy, and I don't think I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the pod. I love Peep Show. Oh, okay. Uh, for the, for those people who aren't familiar with British television, I'm not saying I'm trying to suggest like some sort of like adult theater no, I'm no, going no. to. It's, it's a, a it's a, it's a sitcom uh, which is all made out of mostly point point of view shots. Yeah, and it's called Peep Show, and it's where Olivia Coleman, who people love in everything, really kind of got her real kind of big start i guess she's a local lass she, she was a recurring character is she from norfolk or something yeah she's, oh, from, she? she's from holt i just started watching season three of the crown so they've, they've just made the switch the queen aged like 25 years overnight <laughs> it's like literally the next year wow but she's like gone from like being like like claire foy going oh i'm middle-aged i'm like you're really not to then like wow does anybody else think you know that the queen back in the day it was quite a hot lady. If you you need to go back to like when she's like being coronated, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney wrote a song about it. Did he? Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl. Oh yeah, of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to tell her that I love her a lot, but I got to get a belly full of wine. <laughs> and then at her like Jubilee, one of them, he he sang it for her. Oh, that's He said cool. I couldn't resist. Oh, that's yeah. good. I bet she loved that. Which, I bet she hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but she did what, what you have to do. Behead him. That's right. Uh, so that second place is, because, uh, sorry, Cheesy did, like, Mark just flipping out. And you can see, it doesn't have the captions, but you can see him clearly say shithead. I believe it's, the day of mark's wedding and he makes a joke like he's forgotten something okay. he's lost it <laughs> and uh, mark overreacts and he's like it's just a well it was christmas it was christmas he said i forgot to get a turkey or something like that and he went yeah i've got a turkey it's in the fridge i've been basting it for you know the last whatever i made sure it was a good one because i thought you'd like it because it's christmas uh that was my number two number one is oh i'm <sighs> Josh from next year, movie also did a good one from Steve Martin. I think it's in The Jerk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dog's name, Shithead. That was very good. Yeah. But my number one's going to Chris Peterson, 
who literally found a gif of a guy who sticks his head out the ass end of a horse. And I don't mean like a horse costume. Like he just sort of pops his head <laughs> underneath the horse's backside and the horse just takes a dump on his head. Oh. Creating a literal shithead. So yeah. there we go. How can that not be the win? I don't know where you found that gif, man. Do you know when anybody else brings the random word to the podcast? Yep. I still write one down. Do you still? Yeah. Do you know what mine was? What was yours? Napkin. Napkin. See? That's good. Uh, <laughs> you do remember you're the guy who tried to get fucking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were so happy. And I was like, no. No, we are not. We are not having that. That's the, that is not the random word this week. That is. And if you haven't heard the pod before, what we're talking about is the end of, uh, of the review. We'll pick a random word and then we ask you to tweet a gif with a link to that random word to us at Best Film Ever Pod on the Twitter. You, too, could be our Gift of the Week winner next week. You could. Yep. Uh, fantasy football finally over. A bit of a long, drawn-out thing. Our guest of honor, Reverend Bruce, is the winner. Wow. Well he done, pulled Reverend it Bruce. Out. And I was pulling for Reverend Bruce. And I've said it before because he showed up to the draft. Yeah. You never want the guy who gets the computer to draft for him to win. See, even I didn't do that. Even you didn't do that. No. So I don't know how he lucked out, Alex, <laughs> with the lineup he did with the computer draft in form. It's amazing. Wow. So um, let's jump right into, uh, well, well, for why not give us a review? Apple or Spotify, I hear five stars is a nice number. Five is the magic number. Why are we doing this film? Reverend Bruce brought it to us. Yeah. He's been talking to me about this film for about six months. Oh, okay. If not more. yeah. So I've been very excited about this. It's not one that I've learned that people really are familiar with. I'd never seen it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Bingham enjoys living out of a suitcase for his job, traveling around the country firing people, but <laughs> finds that lifestyle threatened by the presence of a potential love interest and a new hire presenting a new business model. Mm. I'm going to do that in my uh, movie trailer voice from now on. In. You could do that. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, that's the premise of the movie, um, directed and co-written by Jason Reitman, who was writer and director of Thank You for Smoking. You ever see that? Uh, no. Amazing. Ethan's big on it. Oh, okay. Uh, director of Juno. Yes, I know that. Writer, director of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. the writer of the upcoming fourth Ghostbusters film. Yeah, because he took over from his father, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And I guess they decided we're going to keep making it. Yeah. Co-written by Sheldon Turner, who did The Longest Yard, X-Men First Class. Yeah. I like X-Men First Class. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Didn't like Longest Yard that much. Uh, cinematography by Eric Stielberg, Juno, 500 Days of Summer, Dolomite is My Name, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. And music by Rolf Kent, who did Sideways, Wedding Crashers, oh, Mean Girls, cool. Election, 17 Again, Thank You for Smoking, The Atrocious Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. I've not seen that. <laughs> and the theme to the TV show, Dexter. Oh, I've heard of that. What a great piece of music that is. I've never watched it. Oh, it's good. I actually, tell a lie, I, um, I was flicking through one night. This is probably a few years back. I think I was on Channel 4, I think. I'm not sure. But anyway, I was flicking through, and I came across um, this guy on a boat just out wherever, near near a harbour of some sort. And um, Was it going fast? No, it was just the Did boat. Did you have a nautical-themed Pashmina <laughs> Afghan? With my flippy floppies. <laughs> no. Um, so, <laughs> I'm on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a motherfucking boat. Anyway, why did I go Snoop Doggy? Anyway. I have no idea. <laughs> what kind of Snoop, Snoop, if Snoop did that? He's got to do a little, like, wrist driving thing he does. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then it pans down under the water, and there's all these dead bodies being, like, just under oh, the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. So, I, I, that's my only experience yeah. of... Yeah, Dexter's good. 
it gets it gets cartoony at the end, and I haven't seen the revival series. So before anybody oh, comes up with the revival series, John Lithgow's in it for a season. Amazing. He's a great actor. He's great in everything. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, just yeah. is. Yeah. Including Santa Claus the movie. He is. He's the best part of a very weird movie. I love that film. Like, I, love the, I love the movie. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just nostalgia. Though. It is. And did you know about that, though, right? They used um, footage from Superman. Yes. And the flying scenes. With yes. The, that, that was all the same footage. They did that for, I think it's Back to the Future as well. Oh, did they? So the, the car flying through the clouds yeah, in, yeah. in the start of Back to the Future 2, I believe, is recycled Superman footage. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's cool. So first time I saw this, uh, well, let, let's start with you. First time you saw this was... Just, just a minute ago. Couple, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. we finished up, got stuff together. Yeah, yeah. Realized George's camera's going to die. With, with this, <laughs> the battery's got like two minutes charging it. Do you know what I loved about it, though, right? You go, right, I'm going to need a hand. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you went, I need that doohickey thing um, about that USB thing. And I'm like, God, I don't even yeah. know what that I is. I realized, like, there's no words I can use that you're going to be able to access this. George is normally on it, but yeah. me, I was like, uh... Um, for me, I saw this, there used to be discount theaters or cinemas and discount cinemas. I don't know if they were a thing over here, but it was like a second kind of cinema. So there'd be, it would have its first run in like a real cinema, like, you know, when it it would come out and you'd Mm -hmm. pay $8 to to go see the film. Then before it gets sent overseas or maybe it's not gonna get sent overseas, but they've got the reels and it's not ready to come out on DVD yet. Uh-huh. or be released to rental stores yet you could get these um discount cinemas and we had there's a couple of them in the, in the, the cities that i went to uni in but there's one in this the town of uh, sudbury ontario canada uh you could go see movies that already had their main run but we're now just getting a second and the, and the, the cinemas you know they're smaller rooms they're yeah, not yeah. really you know um you know, the, the, it's just cheap, but but you only got it. It was only like, like two dollars to get to go see a movie. Wow! So you felt also a little bit better about taking risks mm-hmm. because you're like, it's just two bucks. Yeah, like what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So and I you remember can stumble upon a gem. Yeah, and so I went and saw this with some people. I have no idea whose idea it was. I was very anti George Clooney as an actor. Mm-hmm. I thought he was Doug Ross. I probably had some anger. Because I love Doug Ross as a character. I love DR. Never and I'm like, it. why have you left? And then he made One Fine Day. And I went, you left to make this crap? Oh, I love one fine, Oh, One Fine Day is terrible. Michelle Pfeiffer. I know she's in it, but, she, but the movie's yeah, terrible. But I'm just like Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> um, I saw From Dust Till Dawn, which didn't really impress me. That one too, that's two different movies, though. Yeah, but, but I mean, he but I'm too waiting bad. to go, like, like, why are you leaving Hollywood? Now, of course, you know, the money, you know, because back then, you, you, if you were an A-lister, like, you didn't stay on TV. No, 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 no. But now it's the opposite. Yeah, now it's yeah, like, but now you've probably got like a streaming series or an HBO series. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. But some of those, some of those not going like to link in for too long. A couple seasons and you're done, mm-hmm. right? So, but I went ahead and saw this and then came out and just carried this movie with me because I think looking back, it's probably the first time I sort of had the sort of analytical, just ruminating on the themes yeah. of something for, for a long time. I believe I bought it. I think it's in my home collection back in Canada, which means nothing because <laughs> I think it's fairly safe to say. Forever now, I think it's it? fairly safe to say I'm here to stay at this point. Yeah, I, I think, think so, yeah, yeah. Um, so what am I do? Bring over a whole bunch of DVDs in the other format? Like, I know, like, my, my, my thing will play it, but we also live in a streaming world. Like, what's the point in bringing this There's over? no point. When I go home, I spend half the time on my parents' couch just ripping CDs because <laughs> I'm like, it's a lot better for just trying to, or, or I have to get, like, one of those old-school CD wallets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is I love the jewel case. Like, and then you got to store them, though, and it's like, I, I don't want just a binder. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard for people who are under the age of 30. Like you have no idea what physical media meant <laughs> back in the day. I think that'll come back around. Oh, it's so not. Oh, it will. Oh. It will. Um, and so that was my first story. Context corner. There was this was not this was a novel. Uh, Walter Kim wrote up in the air the book on which the film is based during a snowbound winter on a ranch in rural Montana, while thinking about airports, airplanes, and first class passengers he had met who would strongly resemble his lead character Ryan Bingham. The novel was published in two thousand one. Shortly after, Sheldon Turner discovered the book and wrote a screenplay adaptation, which he sold to DreamWorks in two thousand three. If you look carefully. He can be seen in the film sitting beside Ryan at the initial meeting in Omaha. So when they oh, when they when they all get introduced to like here's the way the business is going, yeah, yeah. he's in that shot. Oh. Director Jason Reitman then came across the novel um, while browsing in an LA bookstore and persuaded his father Ivan Reitman, famous from Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters sort of thing, yeah. to purchase the book's film rights, and the elder Reitman commissioned a screenplay from Ted Griffin and Nicholas Griffin, who used some elements from the existing script by um, Mr. Turner in their work. Jason Reitman then developed uh, his own screenplay, incorporating some of the original script that, unbeknownst to him, was written by Turner. So Turner's has gone through a few filters at this point, but elements of his script still exist. That's cool. Some include the, uh, some parts that Turner did was the part, anyone who ever built an empire or changed the world sat where you're sitting right now. That is from Turner. Good line. And then there was a plot point involving a suicide and the character of Ryan's partner, um, written by Turner as as a man. So the 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 young upstart was a guy in the original one. I think it's better for being a woman, but we'll talk I about do. that more when I we do. come across her. Yeah. Reitman then attempted to claim sole credit for writing the film and was confused when the Writers Guild came back and went, Nope, you've got to share I think it's Nathan Turner, I think his name was. Uh, you got to share credit with him, whose script Reitman claimed he's never read, but he wouldn't have. He read that other one mm-hmm. that used parts of Nathan's in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So once uh, he and Turner later appeared at WGA event and said they were both happy to share credit after uh, it was made clear to Reitman what Turner's contribution to the final product was. Um, At a press screening, uh, Jason Reitman said his father had written the best line in the movie but didn't share what line that was. Um, So, yeah, so the plan was when he started writing this, the economy was booming. And so he planned to make it as his first uh, feature, but then Thank You for Smoking came available, and he was like, oh, I should do that. And then Juno came available, and he went, oh, I should do that. <laughs> so by this point, he's put it off now for seven years till 2009. At this point, America's in an economic recession. Wow. So in 2002, business is good. Yeah. 2009, it's in the toilet. And the film's tone of the change because of how the real world crisis was sort of present. Mm-hmm. And so it worked much better as a topical piece than it would have before. So he's going, it's kind of fortuitous, which is kind of the same gimmick that Jason Bateman's character has. Where he goes, man, like the economy's in the toilet. Great time for us. Yeah. Um, at a press screening. Uh, oh, I said that already about, about, about the line. So there we go. Let's start with the deep dive. We begin with the Paramount logo and the sound of what sounds like a planet 5,000 feet. And we hear this land is your land. This land is my land by Woody Guthrie. Mm, good song. Uh, this is a, very much a kid song, which he's on the side, or or it's a folk song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of about you know we're all the same. Mm. Look, look, look at the wonder, of the place we live. I, mean, I wonder what it would be like in, in England, but you know, um, 
Canada, we had our own version, which went, this land is your land, this land is my land, from Manitoba to Vancouver Island, from the Arctic Circle to the Great Lake Waters, this land was made for you and me. Aww. Yeah, it's all right. So, um, Did anybody else feel a little bit dizzy watching the aerial view? Well, because all these shots were like when you're looking out a window and you're just passing over farmland. I don't mind just one, but when there's like three or four split, you can tell it's not England because they're all perfectly square. Yeah. Because <laughs> you fly over England, man, it's so easy because like none of them make any sense. They're no. all just like ramshackle shapes. Yeah. You go over Canada or the U.S., it's like, it's like, it's like thatched. Yeah, yeah. It's just so perfectly square because we, you know, we, it's, it, they're modern countries. So the idea of the automobile was considered. Yeah. The idea of access was considered, you know. Yeah, not over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even at horse and buggy, you went, okay, there needs to be a straight road for that. Let's make straight lines everywhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, uh, yeah. Thanks um, to the Romans. Toronto's a bit nuts in, in, in the city. So mm-hmm. not farmland, but in the city, like Toronto's got roads that go all over the place because the same idea. It was like the, one of the first major settlements. But outside of that, most Canadian cities and towns, very grid-like. Yeah. I can imagine. So, um, we go on then for, and we've got, uh, we see the view in the sky, and then we see fired people complaining. They look like genuine people they just grabbed off the street. <laughs> it's funny you say that. While filming in St. <laughs> Louis and Detroit, Reitman placed an ad in a paper asking if people who recently lost their job wanted to be in a documentary about job loss. They mentioned documentary so actors wouldn't respond. Oh, okay. Reitman was amazed how many people with different ages races genders were willing to speak frankly about what happened and what a cathartic experience it had been for them to talk about it the film's crew received a startling 100 responses including 60 people filmed 30 legitimately in detroit and 30 legitimately in st louis wow so actually went on location shot these people where they were because this is it had that feel uh filming wise of like um when harry met sally Okay. You know when they interview, like, they have, like, the couple. I saw it once. I oh, okay. Remember. Are the couples talking about how they meet or something? Or Yeah. Okay. But, but there's, like, couples, yeah. yeah. And, and they seem genuine couples who they interview. They do the this, same. This seem the same. They do the same thing, and he's just not that into you. Uh, but one but one of the people who's supposed to be just like a random like, it, it is it is an actress she she went on and did some stuff so i'm like oh very clever oh okay so it's hard to tell sometimes yeah 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 uh, but these ones are legit uh, of the 60 that they went ahead and um sorry of the all people they went and saw anyway 22 make it into the film the interviews ran for about 10 minutes about what it was like to lose their job in a poor economy and after that the interviewer would fire them on camera and ask them to either respond the way they did the day they lost their job or if they preferred the way they wished they had responded. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, Mind you saying that probably the way I would have wanted to was the way I probably would have done. <laughs> obviously, anybody who actually has dialogue with George Clooney or Anna Kendrick are actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were shot separately. You wouldn't get a genuine response otherwise, would you? Yeah, they were shot separately, thinking the real people would freak out George Clooney and Anna Kendrick. And I'm like... No, it would probably freak out the people who had fired to deal with it with movie stars. Because yeah. then, then it's no longer about talking to a real person what happened to you. It's, oh, my God, it's George Clooney. Yeah. Maybe less so Anna Kendrick. I don't know how big her star was at this point. But, no. yeah. Um, I don't know. You ever been brought into a room and fired? Uh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> was it ever? Okay, let me rephrase this. Have you ever been let go in the sense where it wasn't about anything besides the economy? Like, it wasn't because you did something. It was because the economy was a situation where they had to downsize. No. Okay, because I, okay, I, I've had this. No. I worked at a, my first real adult job, and like the total wrong thing for me, because I was a bit of an academic. I wasn't much of one to work on my hands. Um, 
I wasn't interested in power tools or anything like that. I was a bit bookish. <laughs> and then I took a year off uh, after high school. I was going to go ahead and want to do some motivational speaking for this, this program in the States. So I ended up having to raise some money. So I went ahead and just got a job. Yep. There was like three employers in the small town I grew up in. One was a grocery store. And unless you knew someone or you were a pretty girl, you weren't getting hired there. Yeah. All the cashiers were pretty girls. And it seems like all the guys like doing like unloading boxes. Mm-hmm. Think about how gendered that. I mean, I, at the time, I would say that this is incredibly gendered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, gender. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gender. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prejudice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just discrimination. Gender discrimination. Because all the girls are nice little time. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm like, I'd love to talk to people and scan groceries. Yeah. Um, so you had that. You could work at the petrol station, but really you'd wait for someone to quit yeah. to get a job there, yeah. right? Yeah. And the turnover is not great because they only need one guy at a time to pump gas. Yep. Um, and then the last one was uh, there was this factory in town that made. Oh, there was, there was never a factory, but they weren't going to hire like a kid. Um, but there was a factory that, you know, um, they put like the sleeper cabs on the back of long-term, um, like Polish people, trucks, trucks, yeah, trucks, like you call them lorries over here. We call them yeah. semis by background from semi tractor trailer. And then we'd build the part I was in. We would put in a, a trailer of 20 to 32 feet onto the back of a truck. Wow. So we would build the yeah, the yeah. whole thing, the, yep. the the frame, the floor. So the, I wouldn't do the frame, but we get the floors pre-made, but I'd drill them into the floor, and we put, we'd put get the walls pre-made, but we'd have to attach them to the frame. So a lot of moving pieces, I can literally. you doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's another thing, is me going, I stick out like a bit of sore thumb anyway, because I, I was very awkward. Um, and power tools weren't, weren't my gimmick and all these sorts of things. I've <laughs> known you with power tools now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I picked up the job really uh really badly and um i remember i could feel it wasn't going well mm-hmm. so i was like i was standing around not knowing what the next step was now the training was atrocious the training was that guy's been there he he, he started yesterday he'll train you on how to do this oh okay it yes. was like one of those places Pretty right bad, so i'm yeah. like how do i how am i supposed to do this so i knew i was on i was really close to being fired i knew this because it's about three conversations you have before you get fired i probably had two of them yeah, I never listened to them. So <laughs> I went home and I did the best, the one thing I knew I could do, because I was fairly studious, right? I wrote the schedule out of all the steps that had to take place. Mm-hmm. And I studied it like I would for a test. Yep. And so I might not be the best at anything, but I can make sure I'm the first one there. Mm-hmm. Whenever the next part of the process has to, has to happen, I'm there ready to go. Yep. And I can do that and I can work hard. And if I can make it so that no one outworks me, as far as effort goes, mm-hmm. and then I'm always there, I can probably do okay. And I got taken out that Friday, and we always walk out to the back where all the uh, all the sort of half-completed trucks were and things like yep. that. And I got told, uh, and I could tell this was the firing job, and he went, what can you do? He's really frustrated. What can you do? And I listed kind of every job in order that there was to do on creating what we called a van body. Yeah. And I listed all of them through. I said, I know how to do this. I don't know how to do this yet, but I know how to do this. I think I can know how to do this. If someone shows me, I've got an idea how to do this. And the guy told me, he went, okay, back to, we, we got to see something improve. He told me later that he had, to, that was the firing talk. I was being taken out to, to be fired. Wow. And when I rattled that off, he was amazed that I knew every part of the process. Wow. And he determined, okay, he's trying. And yeah. I save I save myself. Yeah. Now, 
fast forward a bit. I, I do go to Phoenix. I come back. I've done my motivational speaking thing. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, time to figure out what the next step is. Don't really know what it is. Go back to the old place of work. Hey, I want to do this. Yeah, no problem. And by this point now, I'm I'm I'm, I'm one of his guys. Yeah. Because eventually I do pick it up and I get to be good at it and I get confident. I'm a total confidence player. Like if I feel confident about something. Yeah, you fly. Oh, I'm like an all-star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I feel like I'm under attack or if I feel like I'm not doing a good job, yeah, yeah, yeah. then I can really have a hard time. Uh-huh. And so now I'm doing brilliantly. And but the economy's starting to get poor. And this is, I mean, I don't know what they're talking about 2002. I mean, I'm looking at 2001. Yep. And the economy's starting to tank. Price of diesel's going through the roof, so people are getting out of long-distance trucking. Yep. When people get out of long-distance trucking, they don't need trucks anymore. No. Kind of makes what we do irrelevant. Yep. And uh, so I'm working. I'm working hard. I'm doing what I've always done, and my team keeps getting shrunk. People are getting taken into rooms, and less people come back. And so when it went from 13 to 4, Whoa. I think it was, I still had a job at 4. Wow. Yeah. At one point, That's I, pretty good. At one point, the guy pulled me aside. Frank, his name was, and he said, Ian. Can I be Frank? <laughs> he said, stop working so hard. And I said, what? what? <laughs> like, I'm like, I was like, this, this is the way I, I knew how to keep my job. Now, yeah, by yeah. this point, I had some swagger and I had yeah, some yeah, jokes yeah, yeah. and things like that. I'd grown up a lot uh, because I was just like some 19-year-old kid, like no idea, just a boy. I was yeah. a boy. Boy. And then uh, he went, no, no, you got to slow down. And I said, but what you said, you're going to work yourself out of a job. Now, I guess he knows how few trucks are left. Yes. So when it went from four to three, that was it. My number was up. Oh, okay. And one of the guys over at the department said, hey, you mind playing a joke? I'm going to go ahead and get Ian called to a room later in the day. Anyway, you can't do that because he is getting called to a room later in the day. Oh. Uh, I was like, oh. It's not a nice feeling, though, is it? No. And so I got pulled. In the, and I remember there was this guy from our department who went, Ian, you get called. Okay, we're getting fired together, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a drummer in a band. <laughs> and, uh, I love him already. He, he was he was really close to being able to make a living off his band. So wow. he, he was kind of okay with it. And I was young. I was like, I don't have like a mortgage, which is why I got sacked in the end of the day. It was like, what do I do? He's like, you know, um, I, my boss said to someone else, like, you know, he, he doesn't have a mortgage. So I fired. Where if I fired this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's his. That's the house for him and his wife and his kids. You know, how do they pay for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was young. I was like 19, 20, something like that. So, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, I don't like walking home and being like, yeah, I got I got, I got laid off today. Bit rough. It's, it's, I got, I've been fired and moved on from a job um, four times. Yeah. And it's, no matter how much I felt about that job, whatever job I do, I always do it to the best of my ability. Certainly. And everything else. But it's never a nice feeling getting fired. No. So whether you dislike it or not, it, it still it still feels terrible. But my problem was my mouth would always get me in trouble because I see things black and white. I see it like that's right and wrong, yeah. you know, and you can't cut corners here, but they need productivity to be done. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. You, you can't cut the corner. It needs to be done right. You know, yeah. so and I'd call them out on it. And then because I'd then, yeah. you know, and, and that's half the reason why I got fired. I was working at school once. I was not the school man now. And uh, we got called to a meeting at three o'clock, and uh, we'd just been taken over by a new trust, and uh, it was kind of a situation where you're like, you're kind of waiting, like, going, this feels like it's a bit too good to be true. It feels like there should be something should be out the every shoe should drop, and it did. It totally did. Oh, okay, we got put in the two different. What we didn't realize, we found out later, was that there was another meeting going on at that same time with people who weren't in the room. Because well, at first blush, you go, everybody's here. 
Yep. And you find out it was a second meeting going on, and all those people in the other room being laid off. Oh. Because they're restructuring or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And you start looking around going, who's not here? Yeah. And we start, and we, we're not listening to the person in the front anymore. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll make names up. Pete's not here. Um, 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 Daryl's not here. Cindy's not here. Yeah. And like, oh, shoot. And so both sides of it, whether the one who, who gets go- gone or the one who's, who's left, it's a really weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really strange platform to make this the basis of the movie we're at. But the first real guy we get told is Steve. Steve's played by Zach Galifianakis, who you might know if you've seen yeah. the Hangover movies. yeah. And doesn't play it for laughs for once. Plays no. actually really, really straight. Yeah. And he asks this other person, he decided to the camera, who the fuck are you? And exactly. The, who the fuck is he? He's George Clooney. That's who he is. Yeah. Playing Ryan. Uh, co-director, sorry, co-writer and director Jason Reitman said that if George Clooney had passed on the role, he would have written it for, we mentioned him earlier, Steve Martin. Wow. Uh, Not a big fan of Steve Martin. He would have eh? changed the movie. So it became, quote, much more like Lost in Translation was for Bill Murray. So oh, okay. not done for comedic purposes, but yeah, a chance yeah, yeah. to show that Martin can actually act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest Steve Martin guy. No. I keep thinking I am, and then I watch him, and I go, mm. oh. I like it more when he plays the straight guy. You know, like in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yeah, when he's the grumpy guy up yeah, against yeah, the yeah, oddball. Yeah yeah, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Um, quote. From um, Jason Reitman, I believe it is. Uh, if you're going to make a movie about a guy who fires people for a living and you want and you still want to like him, that actor better be damn charming. And I don't think there's a more charming actor alive than George Clooney. I was very lucky he said yes. To be honest with you, I never thought he was an arse in this at all. This guy doing a job. He's just... I wonder if our society's changed a bit in 10 years. Maybe. Yeah. 14 years, I suppose, yeah. Because actually, his job, to go in and fire people, and he's okay with firing people, he should be an arse, shouldn't he? But he didn't come across like that. No, not at all. Uh, he's the guy they bring in when other people um, don't want to fire them because pe- people can do unpredictable things, and they're experts at firing people. <laughs> so they know how to manage people here. And he tells uh, Zach Galifianakis, trying to think it personally, and we get the line, everyone who's ever changed the world or built an empire sat where you sat right now. And that's the truth. And they were able to change the role because they sat there right now. And I guess it's a kind of a cushioning kind of thing. Um, it does inspire a little. He delivers it well. Mm. Because stories are full of this. Abraham Lincoln, Colonel Sanders, yeah. uh, Alan Rickman, um, Ty Burrell. You know, people who have been um, sort of plugging their dues or didn't get started till later in life. And then eventually they do. Yeah. So it gives them the right way to do it. And so even though it feels cold and detached, actually, there's a very human element to what he's doing. He's very clever at um, being able to um, sit down with people. And I think having that engagement with the people uh, in front of you telling them this news is so more engaging. And as, and you, you just by looking at somebody, you can gauge and give you don't need to smile you don't need to give off anything you just know because you're trying to be sympathetic towards them and i think that helps and when you come across later on in the film film with um computers and screens you you lose that element of it yes and i think with that i think george clooney's character ryan was trying to get across that the human element of this and being there with them and giving basically holding their hand just to go right it's not the worst news in the world. You can get over this. You know, it's not the be all and end all. We can send you on your way. Uh, and I thought that was, I thought that's quite a nice little touch from his point of view because he'd done it so many times. Yeah. No one surprised him. 
you we, know, we, the angry ones that have yeah. you. So, you know. And we kind of see him as the angel of death until yeah. surprise, surprise. No, there's a worse level that's coming down the line. There is, yeah. And so Zach Galifianakis says, how do I get in touch with you? And he goes, oh, we'll be in touch. And then the voiceover <laughs> goes, I will never see Steve again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you, you think he meant it by the way he said it. Yeah. You know, you felt He's a comforting like, guy. I, yeah, I figure yeah. you're fired. I kind of don't mind the idea of it being George Clooney. Fire yeah, me. He's yeah, very yeah. good at it. He is. Um, I remember, I remember when I got let go the day I was talking about it from the factory. The one was like, oh, I've had to do like, like, like imagine me, I have to deliver all this bad news. I'm like, yeah, you're still here. Yeah, yeah, You're still got a paycheck though at the end of the day. Like Absolutely. You're, you're smiling and somehow we're apologizing to you about having to fire us. I'm like, something's <laughs> a, bit, a bit wrong here. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we then see George Clooney packing up for his trip and his wardrobe for the entire movie actually does fit in the one carry-on suitcase. That's cool. Uh, Ryan says he lives at the airport and he jumps every queue. And this is where I want to talk about the directorial style because there's lots of his, when he's at the airport, quick, precise cuts of little small things with exaggerated Foley mm-hmm. at, at each step to show just how automated of a process this is for him, how precise the movements are mm-hmm. to get through and not waste any time whatsoever. Yeah, I like oh, that. that was really well done. I thought that was well done. But yeah. we've seen that in other movies as well, haven't we? We have. We have. I just really appreciate I think it fits thematically with what we're talking about here, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then a really weird one here. Do you want the cancer? Yeah. But do you know what, It's right? totally delivered by the actress, like, do you want the cancer? Yes, yeah. I know, right? There's but no comma in there. When he went, sorry, what did you just say? Yeah. And then she says that again. I went... She's meaning cancer. Yeah. I, and I'd already picked up on that. Do you know what I mean? Um, the movie originally opened. Originally, this was the opening scene in the movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, Hard hitting. And so the line confused the test audience who thought it was going to be a cancer drama. Oh. <laughs> so they thought we probably should put this somewhere else. They put it here. And this because I believe in the book, the, he goes through a cancer scare. Oh, where he thinks like, he might have cancer yeah or or has to fight it or something like that like there's a whole cancer like subplot which i think they did some stuff for but got rid of uh, but then this then there's no reason for this no like this scene makes no sense no it just confuses it does yeah is it funny like like you go oh see okay it's a it's a dark mistake to make but it's delivered it, in a way that it's, it's an yeah. odd thing to say though isn't it it is yeah um like what is it it's a can of pop or something like that yeah like you wouldn't say it like that no. Would you like a Pepsi? Yeah. Now, do you want the cancer? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so then we move to the Hampton Inn and Suites and what's in your backpack. Uh, a lot of product placement in this movie. Reitman needed 50 days to film up in the air, eight of which were devoted to aerial shooting. The aerial shots turned out to be more difficult than expected, but he was able to use, sorry, he was unable to use material from three days of the aerial filming. Imagine that. For three days, you can't use it. Wow. Many aerial shots, such as the crop circle on fire, are seen in a Paramount trailer, but not used in a film. The pilot who flies the Boeing 747 that carried the space shuttle flew the aircraft for the aerial shots whatever that's worth hmm. the film features heavy product placement with american airlines chrysler hertz travel pro and hilton hotels all featured prominently yeah. competing brands are often blurred in scene backgrounds or replaced with pseudonyms in dialogue however the brands did not pay for the exposure rather they waived fees so producers could shoot on location such as american airlines airport lounges oh okay and inside the hilton yeah hotels. it makes sense yeah, it's a great yeah, way to do it. Yeah, Everybody yeah, wins. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, Reitman expressed his desire to use actual brands as he finds them less distracting. I agree. There's nothing worse than when you can see it's like a mock-up yeah. of something else. Yeah. It's like, what the heck is Coba Cola? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mmm, I can't wait to. Cobra Cola. Oh, I'm really tired. I can totally go for some Starbucks right now. <laughs> Starbucks. Um, and we get the uh. first glimpse of the, of the backpack speech. And uh, this was an idea of Jason Reitman's, uh, used at a time when he and his wife had to evacuate their house due to a fire in the neighborhood. So what would you actually take? Yeah. And would you put it in a backpack? And what does that mean? Because I think it takes your whole life sort of thing. I always think about myself. Like, what would I actually take if my house was burning and I had five minutes to gather stuff? What would I take? I'd probably take the road. You'd take the TV. (laughs) (laughs) I just have visions of you with a TV on your back. Nothing else. I got it! (laughs) I'd I'd probably take the road so I could... I mean, mics aren't... You know, I could could, could restart again with 14-pound mics. I mean, I probably would just attach this and try. If I could get the mics, I'd take the mics with me too. Not the cords, not the arms. I can replace those. Uh, But... um, Outside of that, your guitar, my guitar, probably. I mean, I'm looking at replacing it before too long. I think <gasps> this is the black one we're talking about. No, oh no, no, the the null. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it's got. It's so weird because of how society is. I think we're moving past it. Yeah, but there was a stretch about two, three years ago where taking that guitar out in public was problematic. Yeah, because people repurposed the British flag to like the alt right as no, like a symbol know, of racism. I know. I know. So I've got a Union Jack noel gallagher epiphone supernova which i bought just going like oh i'm a big oasis fan big oasis fan i'm a you know i'm a, I'm a british kid grew up in canada going hey, i'm gonna miss this yeah i got a british flag on the guitar yeah cool beans and then uh i move over here so they're like, yeah, yeah yeah and then like three uh, three years ago it's like it's like a symbol of like hatred i'm like so now when you take the guitar out you're like oh i'm like no no no, no. I, I bought this in like 2001 yeah yeah when i got a different factory job please boom. don't ever get rid of it it's, <laughs> it's memories dude it's memories um what else do we have just don't look here? back in anger man there we are <laughs> let's roll with it um so he says um in the backpack you know we wear ourselves down until we can't hardly move if you put stuff in a backpack you won't be able to carry it so set it on fire what do you want out of your backpack and he says don't even worry about photos I mean, we live in the cloud now, so nothing would be... I mean, you're okay for the most part. But how many people actually... Who has actually, photo albums anymore? Yeah, I know, but I love photo albums. Like this cabinet I've got to my left here. It's got some, like, treasured moments. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure any of them are irreplaceable. Like, you know, I still remember that I, that I did the Crucible. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll still remember, you know, each and every element. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not setting a light or anything like that. Uh, I, I'm glad that I have them. But if they were to go, it wouldn't... It wouldn't change me from being able to live my life. My problem is I forget a lot more I did. You know, like concert-wise, I was thinking the other day, there's loads of concerts I've been to, and there's more that I've forgotten than I remember. Yeah. You know? I mean, I can get nostalgic for anything. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what I can get nostalgic same. for. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, then we have, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, we meet Christopher Lowell, who only had this part. It's his assistant, Kevin, who we won't see for the rest of the film. No. Yeah, he's set up to be more, though. Yeah, he? he's from How Much Your Father. He's from Glow. He's from Private Practice. He's Ryan's assistant. Don't worry about him. Worry about Craig Gregory, played by Jason Bateman from Arrested Development, amongst many other things. Uh, 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 Team Oz- Oz- yeah. <laughs> Sure. Uh, Ozark. Ozark, yeah. Great. Um, he is, um, he's the big boss, and he says, Big Auto's dropping 10,000 people. It's like early Christmas. And he announces he's taking his first dump in two weeks. Just so that we get, we're not supposed to like this guy. No, exactly. And he and, is a slimy getting. And this. Jason Reitman likes him, because Jason Reitman, he was in Juno as a slime ball in that, too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, then we go to Dallas and the Hilton, and we meet Alex. But before that, I mean, I've been to a Hilton once. It sounds like you've been to a Hilton once. Very different experiences. Yeah, yeah. What was yours? <laughs> well, uh, we couldn't really afford multiple rooms, so we all shared a room. <laughs> Just, how'd you sneak everybody in? With great difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> we made sure we made no noise. How many are we talking? Is that seven or eight? Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how long ago was this? Oh, 2002. Oh, wow, a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I was flying oh, home. I nicked, I nicked a mug. <laughs> Mine wasn't the most recent time. I thought it was the most recent time I went home, but it wasn't. Because uh, last time I went home, geez, I had to get a layover in Edinburgh. It was terrible. Not because I was in Edinburgh. Yeah. Because I was just in the airport. It didn't mm-hmm. mean a dang thing. Yeah. Just I had an overnight layover. Terrible. Mm. Um, no, I had an early morning flight. I thought that was a good idea. And so I got a train down to the ho- to the airport and I got a Hilton hotel room. Cool. And I didn't realize I'd boarded a Hilton. I was like, oh, cool. So it was this lovely, um, the Hilton was great. And then, but part of it, I got like, like a 10 pound per diem to spend at their restaurant too. Yeah. So I got like a funded dinner. So I'm like, oh, the bed was so soft. It was king size. I was like, this is amazing. Do you know what? The actual, the room itself was beautiful. But yeah. when you go down into the bar, I remember it being quite dark and. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, mine was quite nice. It felt, it felt stark. It felt. Where was yours? Um, LA. Oh, okay. Mine was, mine yeah, was yeah. London. Yeah. Uh, by the airport. And I was so excited, I think, to go home. I, get, I didn't get a minute's sleep. <laughs> I, was, I was really looking forward to sleeping in this really comfortable bed. Yeah, I almost yeah. fell asleep before dinner. And I'm like, no, I should eat dinner. And if I just let myself sleep, like I should have. You'd have been fine. But I was like, I think my, my most money's worth out of this. Absolutely. Oh, geez. I remember getting the shuttle in the morning at the airport and just taking a picture of myself. I have the picture still. It's on my Facebook somewhere and just going like, I am exhausted. <laughs> or it's on my Instagram or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. am exhausted. And I'm going to start like 20 hours of travel. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, it's never good. Uh, we meet Alex, played by Vera Far- Vera Farminga. Sorry, Vera Farmiga. Um She's a sexy woman. In this. Oh, and she, she yeah, is. I saw in them eyes. I bet you Reverend Bruce could comment on that. Yeah. She's a very sexy Whoa. woman. Jason Reitman cited her ability to walk a fine line between aggression and femininity. Yeah, I think it's there. Like she's like every part his equal. She's yeah. strong, tough. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, they exchange thoughts about rental cars. And which one's the best service? And they exchange their loyalty cards from all of their various, um, I don't know, like uh, car rentals and hotels yeah, and things and like how that. Yeah, how many things you can get Which one's on they're a part stuff. of. And, yeah. Yeah. and then it comes across the concierge key, which Alex is so impressed with. Uh, it is a legitimate thing uh, by uh, American Airlines. It's by invitation only. After the film was completed, Jason Reitman was invited into the program. Wow. It helps members arrange for reservation changes, upgrades, and even airport meetings. It's sent to selected customers. And since it's not advertised, some travelers consider it just a rumor. <laughs> uh, they share their numbers. Uh, she does 60,000 miles a year domestic. He doesn't want to share his. We'll find it out later. Just, mm. I bet it's huge. Now, okay, now we're going into double yeah, entendre. Absolutely. But actually, rather than use something else as the metaphor for a penis, they're actually kind of using a penis as a metaphor for the number of miles. It's quite clever. It's clever. She finds his card pretty sexy. He says, and says, come on. Because this he goes, it's pretty cheap if I just give you a number. And she goes, wasn't well, that what we're doing here? It's just cheap. He said, hey, there's nothing cheap about loyalty. Mm. Which is irony for his job. Yeah. Because his job's about letting people go who've been, been loyal, loyal to, the to the company, but the yeah. company's not being loyal to them. No. 
Uh, and then we smash cut to them having drank a bit and talking about their various attempts to get in the Mile High Club. He's done it clumsily. She seems like a pro. Yeah. And he's very smitten by this. And he said, well, transatlantic flight then. She went, no, national. Actually, regional. Which would mean like, like it's like what the guy's flying in flight. A bit like if you're going to London to Edinburgh. Yeah. You're talking yeah. Like, like less than two hours in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It was nighttime. She goes, daytime. <laughs> He's impressed. Back to his room. Uh, they've obviously gone and they've slept together. She walks up naked. Or does she? Or does she? Oh, she's got a nice bum. She, well, it's not her. She used a body double for her nude scene. Oh. In an interview, she stated she has no problem being naked in a film, but she had recently given birth and, quote, the breast milk running down would have been inappropriate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> And I also might have been, been a tip off to uh, Ryan that maybe yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. something's going to happen later in the film. Yeah. So can I put a little side note? This is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's very attractive in this movie. She is. She is. Uh, they then exchange itineraries because he says, "I got to see you again," and they plan on a future connection. And it's very casual. Very casual. Uh, he then places a do not disturb sign. Uh, he walks her back to her hotel room because that's the lady-like thing for, for her, her to do is go back to her, her room and place a do not disturb sign on her door. Um, then we have a phone call from uh, Ryan's sister, Kara Bingham, played by Amy Morton, who was okay, but I, have, I really don't believe for a moment he and that sister are from the same gene pool. No. Him and the other sister, yeah. I'll totally buy that. Yeah, same. Yeah. I thought exactly the same thing. Um, it turns out that there's another sister getting married, and they're printing out cardboard cutouts of the, the happy couple and That's taking photos <laughs> like in that French movie. Do you know what French movie they're talking about? Um... No. Like they did with the gnome in that French movie. I don't know. I've never seen it. Have you noticed there's a gnome sitting beside my fireplace there? Yeah. Do you know why we have a gnome there? No. Do you not really? Do you remember episode two of the podcast? Uh, Amelie. Amelie. A French movie. Yes, sir. Where, picture, where a gnome oh, was taking pictures next yes. to... Yes. That's George's apology gnome by the fireplace. Oh. Because we couldn't hear in our headphones. Yes. And she got frustrated because we kept talking over her. Yes, yes, and yes. And it yes. wasn't because of that. It was just because every tie went to the person who you could hear through your headset. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. So... Wow. Yeah, they're, they're making a reference to Amelie, and they That's keep making it. cool. So the idea is you got to take a picture of the, the cutout in all these different locations. We don't know why, but that's kind of his mission. I like um, the fact that he entertains it as well. Yeah. Um, we go, now we're in Omaha. Uh, I must tell people on the other side here, the running game was Liam trying to guess what state. <laughs> now, to be fair, a lot of these cities are in the Midwest, so it's, so it's not easy. I got two. It's, it's not the famous ones, yeah. Um, Omaha, I think you tried to go somewhere. I forget where, but it was Nebraska, and you, you, you were yeah, wrong. Yeah, no, I think I said something like, um, uh, I don't know. His voiceover, anyway, tells us he's... Uh, his, the voiceover stops, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah. He's on the road 322 days out of the year, which means 43 miserable days at home. And his place does look crappy. It does. Well, you only been there for 43 days. I mean, it's the hotel room. In reality, the hotel rooms are his home. Yeah, yeah. He's always at the Hilton, so I bet you it's like a McDonald's. Every time you go in one, it's probably pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. And then the room at home, that's the, that's the one you just sort of put up with. Yeah. Um, his neighbor drops by with the cardboard cutout. Um, he asks her if she wants to come over later that night. She says, no, I've started seeing somebody. Okay, so they're sort of casual hookup. 
Casual. Sort of partners. 34 days. <laughs> yeah. Year. Whenever you're home. Yeah. And he, it's four, she's moved on. I will say it's 43, but he'd refer to them as miserable days. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been. <laughs> couldn't have been that great. It couldn't have been that great. Um, and so, and though I do think we do get a moment of how, he's, how he processes rejection. Yeah. Because he gets rejected a few times in a few different places here mm. in this movie. He doesn't deal with it. I don't know if anybody deals with it well, but we do see that it affects him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's very yeah. good at it. He, he doesn't, like, break down, break down about it, but he kind of just sort of takes it on his chin, doesn't he? And, he? and he moves on. Back to the office, and the economy is in the toilet. Um, his neighbor, uh, sorry, that's not that. Uh, and we meet Natalie Keener, played by Anna Kendrick. Keener back home is like a term for, like, a tryhard. Oh, okay. If oh, because you're, you're too keen. Yeah, yeah. She's oh, keener. you're a keener, aren't you? Yeah, I, I yeah, think it's yeah. very Canadian. Oh, okay. That would be like a like a, a, a term you'd use if you were if you were giving someone a hard time at the factory for trying too hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a keener. You know, once you've like got to the part where you're not going to get fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is okay to be a keener because you're trying to save a job. Absolutely. Um, the role of Natalie Keener was written with her in mind wow. as Jason Reitman saw her in Rocket Science. That's debatable though because we do know that he met with Elliot Page, who was in Juno. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know who that is. I haven't seen Juno. You haven't seen Juno? No, I know of it. The lead character in Juno? Elliot Page is transgender? Um, so a lot of the early... I was going to say, a lot of the early uh, credits were under the name... Um, oh, no, I've totally forgotten. Something Page. Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, uh, he was in Ghost uh, X-Men yes. First Class and all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, the one who does like the time travel stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there. Oh, cool. Um, Kendrick, but obviously it worked out. Kendrick later claimed that she was financially insecure as a working actress when she made the movie, and during the promotional tour, her wardrobe was rented for her. She admitted that she felt bad about it, thinking it sent a misleading impression to younger actresses. I'd like to have known what, more about what that means, because... Yeah. If someone's renting your wardrobe because you can't afford it, that should be the right message. Yeah. Rather than putting yourself in debt to put up. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what the message is there. Mm. Anyway. Um, so we find out about Glocal, taking the global and making it local. And so uh, they're going to fire people over Zoom, basically. Maybe we'll fire Reverend Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe maybe he'll let us go as his podcast of choice. Do that, do that, do that as he comes on. <laughs> We're having this conversation to tell you that your services are no longer required. Just in front of you is a little package. <laughs> I want to let you know that everybody who's ever started the Great Revolution has sat where you've sat. <laughs> oh, bless him. Um, the test drive is very optimistic. They fire, I don't know, Chip, the, the intern. Yeah. And uh, he's very, oh, well, thank you. And it's about, you're sitting there going, that's not how real firings take place. No. No. And he goes, hey, no more Christmas in the road. We're calling you all home. And then we get the post-meeting meeting meeting where Ryan pushes back and Craig tells him you're grounded. Uh, And then Catherine comes in. uh, No, Natalie, sorry. I don't want to call her Catherine. Natalie comes in and Ryan's the challenger. Fire me. I want to see if you can do it. Fire me. And I think uh, he's right here. And so... He goes ahead and she tries to fire him and he gets up to leave and says, not only Craig can fire me. Well, Craig asked me to do this. No, I'm going to talk to him right now and gets up and walks away. Yeah. And he goes, you can't do it. No, no, you can't stop me. You're on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> 100% right. Absolutely. And she says, let's try it again. 
And so he tries and asks all the right questions, which make the person literally say you're being fired for no reason, which then gives them grounds for dismissal. You know, you have grounds for dismissal. Now it is a lawsuit. He goes, okay, you proved your point. So we have the post post meeting, meeting, meeting. There well we done. I tried. Um, <laughs> and Craig wants Ryan to train Natalie up because there is this notion now that anybody can do your job. If you sit behind a computer screen with the right flow chart, anybody can do that job. Which, which you know, they kind of tend, comes down to your personality, doesn't it? Yeah, and that was something during the pandemic where we had all these people like, oh, we're getting lessons for, from teaching at least. You know, we got lessons from this group or that group. So the teaching's really just sitting in a room and letting the computer teach the kids. And I'm like, there's something about, you'll never be able to replace proper teaching. No, exactly. There's something ineffable about someone yep. in the room. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. You go into a room, you see a good, when you see a great teacher, you're like, Okay, that's fantastic. And yeah. you see a poor teacher, like it's, it's worlds different, yeah. worlds difference. Yep, yep. And as much as I did to go, put me on a computer screen, put me in front of everybody, and that fixes the problem. No, yeah, it doesn't no, it because doesn't. that's a computer screen. Because you know what I can do with a computer screen? Switch I can turn my head to the left, and the computer screen doesn't know I turned my head to the left. You <laughs> no. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you can minimize the window. Yeah. You know what I mean? So no, there's something about being in the room where it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, he's going back on the road and the family doesn't fit into his suitcase. The actual yeah. couple pieces. Well, I like that though. Which is a perfect metaphor. Cause he does, they don't, they don't, the, the lifestyle does not meet the idea of family. No, but he still takes it. Yep. At the airport, uh, she shows up, Natalie, and she's just, it's useless. <laughs> this giant suitcase is not ready. And um, they have a chat about carry-ons versus proper luggage and how much time he can save. And then he gives her a tip about lining up behind Asians. He says, don't line up behind, oh, not kids, not kids ever. No, trying to fold the buggy. <laughs> Never works. And then he points out some very open systemic racism. Yeah. And says that, you know, those uh, that group of individuals there, he's just randomly selected for screening. You know what I mean? Nothing random about it. <laughs> no. I once got selected for screening because I had a laptop on me, and the guy gave me such a hard time because there was no battery in it. Oh, okay. And he said, sir, there's no battery. I said, no, but I got the plug. You can plug it in. So he plugged it in, it fired up. He said, he tried to say it was, like, it was like illegal to travel without like a battery. I'm like, guy, the battery's dead. It serves no purpose, and it's heavy. So this is better in all ways around. He went, well, this could be a sign that you're using this as, as, as a drug mule. I said, surely the fact that I'm showing you an open part of my lap, the bigger problem would be if I filled the empty battery case with heroin. Yeah, yeah. That would be the issue. I didn't say that part because I want to fly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, that was like when I flew to America. Um, so that was 2002. So security checks were quite high at that point. Yeah. And um, getting on it in london was cold so i had my leather jacket on i had all this out on so as soon as you go off at la yep. <laughs> which is warmer you look very dubious with this like leather jacket uh? and stuff right <laughs> and i went through the security and they use that paddle thing that yep. go up and down you don't they right and he went um are you wearing any chains i was like no because i was going off on my chest he was like um can i see so i had to take my coat off i'd take my jacket off i had to take in the end, I had to take my T-shirt off and stand there with him, like, shirtless. And he was like, I don't understand. He said, that's going nuts. I went, I don't understand either. There's no metal plate, I promise you. I said, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just a young kid who's decided to fly to America to be an actor. <laughs> um, I don't know. But luckily, he was okay with it. So Excellent. I had vision of them opening my chest. I was like, no! <laughs> um, 
it's funny. Uh, it's funny that she <laughs> he's so efficient and she's not, given the basis of the film. Yeah. Because and on the flight, she's developing a flow chart, and he's like, that's <clears> not what we do. No. We're there to make their limbo tolerable. And he makes the metaphor of we're taking dead souls across the river Styx to the, to the afterlife. And when it's right, we throw them in the water. Do you think that's the uh, Ivan Reitman? Oh, maybe, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, Alex uh, is at the Atlanta airport and phones Ryan saying, do you know a good place for ribs? He says go to Fat Matt's. That's a real rib shack on Piedmont Avenue in Atlanta. Jason Reitman's a big fan of the restaurant. In return, owners Matt and Kelly Harper presented Reitman with a card entitling him to a lifetime of ribs. That's cool. <laughs> um. <clears throat> And she asks why uh, he hasn't phoned her yet. Why he hasn't phoned her yet. And uh, he says, look, I know a few of that. It was appropriate. And she goes, look, I'm the I'm the woman you don't have to worry about. Think of me as yourself, only with a vagina. Yeah. And they arrange another meetup. Um, and so, uh, but we've got something else to do first. And that is we've got a firing to do. More people to fire. And we meet Bob, played by J.K. Simmons. Yeah, very short little uh, piece in this, but... He's very good in it. He is good. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get any whiplash from this one. And so, yeah, <laughs> nothing gets thrown either. Which you think of, no. This might be a case where it might be applicable. Um, and Bob asks, he's he fired, he goes, what do you suppose I tell them? And shows a picture of two children. Those are his real children. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Natalie says, maybe this is a positive step for them. And he says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Ryan steps in and goes, why do kids like pro athletes? Because they follow their dreams. And he says, well, I can't dunk a basketball. He goes, no, but you can cook. And you went to school for it. And you came out of college then, and you got a job here. How much did they pay you to give up on your dreams? And he sort of turned the onus here. We're not firing you. You made the mistake how many years ago? Yeah. And the fact that he had the time to go through yeah. and actually get to know yeah. what they were like and what they did. Because he had, like, all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And That kind goes, of switch it a little yeah. bit, doesn't it? It shows that individualization. You yeah, can't just yeah, go in there yeah. and use a flowchart. No, exactly. And, you know, he said, 27 grand a year. And how long are we going to stay for? He goes, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And he goes, this is your chance to be happy. This is a rebirth. If not for you, do it for your kids. And this is a guy who's fired from a $90,000 a year job, we're told. So that's like, I don't know, 60, 70,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's good living. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a really positive win. And we get to, see, again, see he's beating her. She's Her way isn't working. There's a bit of an old lion, young lion thing here. Well, yeah, again, it's um, showing a bit of compassion and showing, yep. you know, a bit of experience as well, knowing how to deal with certain people. At the Hilton, uh, he jumps the queue. And there's a woman at the front of this like longer line, and she's she's angry. She's miffed. And he says, "Hey, they got a great loyalty program here. He even gets her brochure and gives it to her. Says she should sign up." <laughs> and she whacks her away. Yeah, it's funny. He then goes to the restaurant. And he orders three meals, and she goes, "Why have you ordered this much?" And he goes, "I get miles on everything I order with this with, 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 with my card, and they give me forty dollars a day per diem." So I will spend forty dollars to get the miles because I'm chasing a number, and uh, the miles are the goal. And it's not even using the miles; it's just having the miles. Yeah. I've done it. He's chasing the ten million mile mark, and he'd be the seventh person to do it. <laughs> Less people have, have got have got that card than walked on the moon. More, yeah. more people have walked to the moon than have this card. Yeah, yeah. 
and he'd have a chief executive status. And this is where they struggled to go like really cool things. My name would be on a plane, and the pi- the head of the pilots, whatever, would come talk to me. It's like it doesn't feel like that's the big enough win. I was like, he's flying this plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she says, why are men so obsessed about their legacy? And she, he goes, well, why do you think it is just men? Why are you just doing it to us? And she goes, well, I suppose because women can have babies. Which, I mean, you got to rewrite that line in 2023. You do. Yeah. You do. Um, there's actually no special privileges awarded for 10 million miles by American Airlines. Oh, okay. This was a they case. They didn't kind of give you, they didn't let you know he's kind of near it in this. No. They kind of make it out that he's quite away. Yeah, I haven't hit it yet. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to I'm really close. Yeah, yeah. Which is, if you were like 9,900,000, even if you were in the last 100,000, yeah. aren't you like super jazzed yeah, all the time? Yeah, yeah. Like think about the amount of, like, like we talked earlier, the number crunching we do on the pod. Yeah. What, what is he doing there? <laughs> so um, American Airlines does offer special status for reaching 1 million miles. And as of 2009, 400,000 people have hit 1 million miles. But we have nothing beyond that. Um, Then he and Alex do a little texty text in there, sending some, uh, he's like, I'm bored, I miss you, something like that. She suggests he, um, um, they basically, they they, they do a little sexting is is what happens here. They do, but neither of them do anything. Neither (laughs) of them do anything, but they just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, next time you should call me so I can hear Hear it. And so it's getting a bit more, you know, it shows that there's a relationship of some sort. I don't know if developing is the right word, but being maintained. Yeah, At the very least, they still want to continue doing this. Definitely maintained. Uh, At the St. Louis airport, um, he's taking the picture of, of the two lovebirds on on their styrofoam polystyrene backing um, at this airport. And he's all about the romance of flying and why this is an important airport. The Wright brothers? Yeah, the Wright brothers flew there. Why was it called the Spirit of St. Louis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she doesn't care at all. And I'm like, this romanticism about flight never really comes up beyond this anywhere like, like is it he never goes like I lo- i've always loved the idea of flying he never goes there no. so that they make his chase of these miles all about loyalty which is fine yeah but then you gotta cut this thing where he loves he loves flight and air history maybe he's just been around it his, so long that he's just picked it up his sister loves it too though yeah he says she'll get it oh yeah. weird that is weird um so um he says say why she wants dozens of reminders of places they haven't been is beyond me and we'll just sort of play that for later we go to wichita which was not wherever i think you thought it was in colorado it's in kansas yeah uh timmy from the sitcom rules of engagement doesn't take being fired well um and so he he says you know do things he goes yeah he's just blowing off steam he's just doing this sometimes in the event natalie begs to fire of an ex-person and it's a woman odd yeah I think she's seen enough of it, and she's, like, tired of having her hand held, so she feels everything he does is patronizing her. Even going on this trip probably feels like I need, if I if I can win this, then I get to go home. Mm. And she had a, you know, we didn't mention her boyfriend dropped her off at the airport, and they looked like they were a nice yeah. couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the woman who Natalie fires says she's going to jump off a bridge. Yeah, the way she came across in this was she's been sarcastic. I th- that didn't it come across. Like, as- it felt like it felt like emotional blackmail. The person fired. Yeah, yeah, that weren't. That I'm gonna, weren't, I'm gonna didn't s- feel genuine because you can't do anything about this or chase or follow up on me. I'm gonna make this claim. Yeah, and then you're gonna go from there. Yeah, it didn't feel genuine to me. Yeah, and so when Ryan cools her down, we're going all right. 
That sounds about right. Mm. And he goes, just talk. And she goes, oh, how do you know that? Do you follow up? And he goes, well, no, no good would come from that. And <laughs> it has, it's, it's a moment of humor. It's it played as a punchline. It was. And I thought about ripping it for uh, today's opening. I thought, I don't. With, with what ends up happening in the movie, yeah. no. If that didn't a, happen, then yeah. I have a different clip I can use instead. I think I'm going to use the J.K. Simmons one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then go to Kansas City, which I asked you what state it was in, and I thought since Topeka was in Kansas, you were going to go Kansas, especially because it's Kansas City. Yeah, no. I forget where you said it was, but uh, you might have said Colorado again. I don't know. Yeah, I did think I was going to say Colorado. in Missouri. I thought, I thought I've got to get there somewhere. <laughs> somehow. And we go to Tulsa as well. It's a bit of a montage. We have some pretty empty offices. Ryan overhears her saying she doesn't think of he, she doesn't think of Ryan that way. He's old, and it's the only <laughs> it's the only time we even hear like any sort of a struggle in their relationship. Yeah, and he looks at himself in the glass, doesn't he? Yeah, and she's graduated. The firing people on her own. They're in side by side rooms firing people. And Alex and Ryan have another rendezvous. And Ryan gives um, Natalie a membership card to fill out. Start earning your miles. Yeah, come on, get you started. Go to Des Moines, Iowa. More extras get fired. Then we go to Miami, and it's the same speech about a backpack because he does this speech in front of like, public speaking about uh, things. And we are told he's got a goal for this as well, which is this real talk or something like that. It's called convention in Miami. Mm-hmm. It's a new backpack, but now with people. And this is where you start to go, ooh, harsh. Mm. And he says, you need to carry all the weight of all those people. Put that backpack down. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, your best friends. We're not supposed to carry each other. We are not swans. We are sharks. Which will come back to haunt him. And I'm like, I think this is too far. Yeah. And I don't get, I don't give a, he doesn't realize this is too far. The thing about minimalistic living, I get that. I think he's trying to, as he's getting older, because she just said about being older. Yeah. I think he's looking at his life and going, well, I'm trying to justify why. I am the way I am, yeah, and I'm okay with that. When in fact he's not. On the shuttle back to the air, back to the Hilton, they do this thing now where Ryan and Natalie are on different sides of the bus, mm-hmm. and they totally shoot them out of. They're not even in the same shot of each other. It's her or it's him, and it's rapid fire cutting, but it shows their ideological opposition on the concept of marriage. And he goes, "Fine, sell me on marriage." And she goes, "Love," and he laughs. He goes, what about companionship? What about not dying alone? He goes, everybody dies alone. Hmm. Everybody. He said, all those cult members with the Kool-Aid and the sneakers, they didn't (laughs) die alone. And then she breaks down. And, you know, um, we find out that her boyfriend left her. Yeah. Again, this seemed a bit over the top. This seemed 11 rather than 8. I like this. Do you? He embraces her, and then Alex just happens to walk up. He goes, how about we get freshened up? And Alex is like... Or we could go to the bar. And she's like, yeah, now you're talking. Yeah, let's go to the bar. This. <laughs> and he goes, he broke up with you over a text message. Now, that's terrible. And then Ryan goes, yeah, it's like firing someone over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. It's a great line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's the line. Yeah. Maybe that's the line. Yeah. Turns out she followed, uh, this is Natalie followed the boyfriend and just dumped her to Omaha. Which is saying something. It's in the middle of nowhere. Bunch of cornfields. How is it? Yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, she doesn't want to sound like an anti-feminist, but she says none of his success feels like it's going to matter until I find the one. And I don't, I don't know. Is that divorce from a man's perspective? I'm sure there's a bunch of women listening probably going, yes, I don't know about that. Because I think you measure yourself, maybe not as young. 
maybe not as young because I don't think the pressures uh, there we go I don't think the pressures are on as men as young as they are on women because of traditional uh sort of benchmarks of where you know, yeah. what did you get married? When do you have kids? Yep, and, yep. The, and if you still want to be successful in the career, there are sort of specific timelines you need to hit. Mm-hmm. With the man, I think those are a bit more broad, but I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, the thought about, you know, things you want to accomplish with your life. And does any of it matter if you don't have this or you don't have that? Something I've thought about. I mean, there's a little bit of sacrifice in everything, isn't there? There's a sacrifice if you're on your own. You know, you can do more things. You Certainly. can, you'd have more money because you're only spending it on yourself. But then when you're with somebody, you've got companionship. You've got, yeah. you've got less. There's compromising everything it's funny. you do. As we've been doing this part, there's been times where I've been in a relationship and you haven't. Yeah. And there's been times when you've been in a relationship and I haven't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something I've also had in this conversation at various points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Isn't it? Um, what do we got here? Um, so he met her perfect idea of a partnership, and then Alex says, it's all different when you hit your, your mid-30s. She goes, physical doesn't matter at all. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, she's like, it's not about physical. It's like, really, it's just a smile. smile. And I hope he makes more money than I do. And that wasn't like a gold diggery sort of sign. No. That, I think it was a comment on the fragility of the male ego. Yeah. If he doesn't make more money, then what's he going to? See, that doesn't really bother That's going to cause a whole bunch of problems. Yeah, I guess uh, for me, I've I've always made more money, but it's never been a. Th- it's not like I went oh, good. Yeah, no, yeah. no. As long as no one tries to, the only issue I have is when people just try to like sponge, sponge. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my problem. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, as long same. as no one sponged off me, I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't be fifty. I'm, I don't believe it has to be fifty fifty in certain situations. Just don't sponge. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I agree. Yeah. Um. Natalie thinks, and she goes, I should just date women. At which point, uh, sorry, that was, yeah, Natalie says that. Which one, <laughs> yeah. Alex goes, tried it. Tried it. We're no picnic ourselves. No. <laughs> and Ryan's just staring at her. That was funny. Uh, I think he liked them all, though, for it. I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They crash a conference. That was fun. And they just steal some landers. I'm like, why are they doing it? Like, I've been to conferences like this. It's just a bunch of stuff. Oh, there's a party with free drinks. Okay. Yeah. Natalie's ID says Jennifer Chu. She didn't look <laughs> carefully enough. And the party seems all right, and she starts, you know, there's this nerdy guy who starts dancing with Natalie called Dave, which was one of the names that she was sort of suggesting. She was, yeah, one I, word. He's a nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have a uh, young MC in the house. Uh, let me clear my throat. Blah, 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 blah. I think that was the song, anyway, they were dancing to. And that's the thing. These corporate events can get, like, semi-decent uh, artists to play for them. Yeah. I remember. Paying uh, a lot of money on Honda or Toyota a few years ago when I was still in the area got Tom Cochran to play the Christmas party and Tom Cochran's the original singer of uh, Life is a highway I'm gonna ride it all oh, night long yeah, yeah, yeah. which was the number one hit in North America but you might know him better from the terrible cover done by Rascal Flatts in the film Cars where they just kind of countrify it up and go Life is a highway I'm oh don't <laughs> ka-chow. I do like the ka-chow. Uh, ka-chow. If you want a funny thing, I'll put this out here now. Look up on YouTube Cars 4 Saturday Night Live. It is a hilarious sketch. I'm just going to say that. Owen Wilson recording the lines for Cars 4. Wow. I'm not sure if he wows. He definitely ka-chows it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they go to a picture booth, um, which isn't really a booth. It's more just like here's a really big set because it'd be hard to shoot that that's the thing 
by shoot that i don't mean like the, the actor with the camera i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. the cinematographer shooting the camera shooting the two of them yeah yeah so it's fun though very fun uh ryan gives uh alex a card to his place and they've lost natalie and so she's singing time after time by cindy lopper on a boat i'm on a boat singing yeah. time after time with my flippy floppies at the back of the boat, Ryan and Alex are together, and she says she doesn't get to be who she is with him when she's home. And this should be, this should be a trigger. This should be alarm bells, yeah. yeah. And he's just given her his key. Turns out she's Googled him. Now, he hasn't Googled her. No. And she says, is the backpack empty because you hate people? And he kind of goes, no, no, not the case at all. And he gives her it's a not reason. not the case at all. Uh, <laughs> And then, you know, they got to pack it in because uh, <laughs> the, boat, the boat runs out of gas. It does run out of gas. So uh, they get back to the back to the hotel, and uh, Alex is leaving, um, and uh, she slept in his bed this time, and they kind of make a pretty woman joke about leaving the money on the table before you go. And he says, I really like you. Mm. And she goes, I really like you too. Now, I'm going to say this. As far as Alex's perspective goes, this is clearly him going, I want more. Yes. Yes. Because they've known each other for a little while, and he's never given that now, before. Maybe confusing in, in juxtaposition with the keep your backpack empty of people. Yeah. But the I really like you, I think there's something in that. Of course. Yeah. And she knew that. That was a loaded question. Yes. And she says, I really like you too. And he says, go ahead and get your flight. She didn't need to say that back. Nope. There need to be the hesitance there. Um natalie feels apologizes for not remembering everything yeah i've been out with friends and uh, out of work too and been like i don't remember everything and they're like no nah, it was good to see you cut loose yeah and i'm like all right until you get the friends that go you know make up stories you go today really i don't have those things right? <laughs> um and he asks if she uh snuck out or if she woke him up to say goodbye and she goes yeah i snuck out yeah. He goes, yeah, protocol's confusing there. Um, <laughs> and sh- she then asks about the relationship with Alex. What's your relationship with Alex like? And he says, I don't know, it's casual. I wish she keeps asking. Then when he doesn't get the answer she wants, she, she freaks keeps, out yeah. on him. This is completely out, of character. completely out of character and out of line. Yeah, you don't need to do that. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you to decide this? I'm sorry you clearly projecting. I'm sorry you just got broken up with. Yeah. It's none of your business what I define my relationship as. Exactly. Don't you think she wants more? Don't you want? Why can't you like marriage? I'm like, hey, he does all these things, but you are not privy to this. Why do you? Is she supposed to be a surrogate for the audience? Because she's not. No. Seemed odd. I really hate her in this scene. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Nope. Nor me. Um, and if he'd come back with, you're just projecting and she stormed off and you go, okay, truth, but a little harsh mm. to say that to her. That's a more organic way for that fight to happen. Yeah. As opposed to, he just goes, what are you talking It's my relationship. I'm like, ah, brutal. Um, and so, um, she sort of throws the cutout on the, on the ground and then the wind takes it into the water. He dives in after well, not well, intentionally. He's trying yeah, to reach yeah. for it, and then he just gets carried in. Uh, we go to Detroit. He warns her that Detroit is tough. I mean, Detroit is tough. Detroit's an auto city. Mm-hmm. You did get that this was Michigan. I did. I this, did. Was, this was a small run of success you had. Uh, <laughs> Craig has a computer waiting and insists that Natalie should do the firing. Now, at this point in the movie, you were convinced that they were going to fire George Clooney in this movie. I did, yeah. yeah. I thought this is going to come full circle. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, I don't remember how the movie ends. <laughs> I'm like... 
Because I think I probably was concerned they were going to do it to him as well. Yeah. But yeah. I thought that was going to come full circle around on him. So I literally looked at you and went, I don't know how this ends. Um, and so Craig insists that Natalie should do the firing, and we find out the guy she's firing is in the next room. Now, this is pointless in the sense that, yes, it's good for a film, in the sense that she can see the, the person's in this other room. Yeah. But there is... Oh, I heard my voice is going. Woo! Yeah, hopefully we can bring it but bad. It's a bit... I don't Ooh. know what's happened. Oh, my God. I can feel it. Something's like in the back of my throat. Give a good old, give a good old cough. Oh, jeez. I'll go ahead and do that. Yeah, do that. But I know what you mean with the guy being in the other room and her observing um, from the computer and looking at him through the computer and uh, him being in the other room and they can overhear him when he shouts. I mean, I don't see what that they gained from that. Um, because if they were there, why didn't they just speak to him properly? Or if they were going to do it remotely, why didn't they do it remote remotely? Why did they have to be in the room next door? Yeah, so if your voice... Why did have to see the fallout one? Can't you just book a conference room in the hotel? Yeah. So, I mean, or one of them is in that conference room. One of them can be on site in case anything goes badly. Yeah. Watch on a monitor in a different room. Yeah. But the minute your voice can bleed through the walls, all you're doing is really making the person feel disrespected. Yep. That's how it came across. Especially when they walk by, like the windows, like, wa- like there's, there's a clear, like, wide open. Like, you can see there's it. no curtain over the wall. There's no blinds. It's just, just there. turn around and look. Yeah. I mean, what, what were they expecting? <laughs> so, I mean, the guy like, was like weeping and she had to like sort of bully him out of the room ever so slightly. And the whole time she's being watched by Craig and Ryan. And uh, we go to a list of his 19 more people to fire. Mm. That was number one. Harsh. At the end of the day, that was went so well. They kept saying that, didn't they? You did really well. They got pulled off the road. Um, so at the airport, uh, they were about to go back to uh, Omaha. And Ryan started the RSVP plus one card. He bails on the flight to Nebraska for another flight. And he's in, M- he's in Memphis. Meets Alex. They take a picture by the pyramid of the lovely couple on the slightly weathered because it's been in the water. It has, yeah. Picture. And then he invites her to his sister's wedding. And she's again being like, you can't invite me to your sister's wedding. And then she finally relapses. And it goes, okay, fine. And they go. And they have a great time. Again, why would you entertain this if you know that other things are afoot? But as they fly, there's like a a two-shot of the luggage bags. So Mm -hmm. we go, oh, they're a couple. Look at them. They're doing couple-y things now. He doesn't get to skip the line at at the hotel they go to because it's a different different rewards program. Yeah. Uh, They meet Kara and talk about uh, the family again. And we find out. And there's a lot of age talk in this movie. And we find out that um, Kara's on a trial separation from her husband, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And we meet Julie Bingham, played by Melanie Linsky, who's from New Zealand, and she's also Rose from Two and a Half Men. So there we go. I, I went, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. She shows off her ring. The stone is so small. Yeah. And we meet Jim Miller, played by Danny McBride. from You recognize him from Eastbound and Down. Yeah, Eastbound and Down, 18 Wheels of Rolling. I think he's also from Pineapple Express, which I hate, but I think he's in it. I don't think I've ever seen that. Is that called um, the guy? Seth like, Rogen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, thanks for coming. And he was in a beat, and he goes, brother. He's trying it out, and it's like, okay. But then you talk to him. He seems like he's got a pretty decent yeah. business model. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ryan's yeah. like, yeah, it seems to work. Yep. 
Um, Ryan puts his pictures on the map, and it turns out they've got the friends taking pictures all over the country. We found out there's no money for a honeymoon. Yeah. So just because we can't travel doesn't mean we can't have pictures, which is the irony, because all Ryan does is travel, mm. but there's no pictures. No. He doesn't do anything like that. I didn't think of that. Yep, there's no, because there's no one to spend their time with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So after the rehearsal, Deep. Ryan asks if there's anyone to walk her down the aisle, and there's a beat, and they go, yeah, Jim's uncle's going to do it. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. See, now this is another thing I don't understand, because later on the, the sisters say, well, you were never here. You, you you dropped off the face of the earth. We didn't know you were a ghost to us or something. Yet why is he going around all these different places taking photographs, and he asks her, and he, that's a meaningful ask as well. Yeah. You know, and he takes it well when he's rejected, you know, by his own sister. Yeah. You know, I got the feeling he had a lot of love for his sisters. I do trust them when they say he's not really around. It does no, seem I, like I understand his, that. And the but, whole backpack thing. But, but in his own mind, I think he loved them and still think about them, and hence why he's doing those things and yep. going to the wedding and ask whether, you know, because if he, if he didn't care, he wouldn't ask. Yep, you're not wrong. Um, so after the rehearsal, we did that already. Uh, back to the high school, and there's a tour of the high school because Alex helps break in. Yeah. Because that's who she is. Uh, and he's sort of walking around, even the tour, and goes, this is where he went to make out? And she went, yes, this is very romantic. It's just like some cement steps. steps. Yeah. Um, in this dirty part of the school. But then we cut, and they're, and, and, and they're kissing a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then, judge her for this. Yes. For later on. So I judge I. her for this. They get a call from Kara. There's a wedding emergency. Jim has cold feet. They want Ryan to talk to Jim. Uh, Jim's on site, so I've got my notes. How cold can the feet really be? He's there. He's just reading the Velveteen Rabbit. Um, and Jim talks about watching his whole life flash before his eyes. And Ryan goes, yeah, I kind of get you. But he says, let me ask you a question. And this sort of shows how his heart's changing. Mm-hmm. The best moments of your life, were you by yourself or were you with someone? He goes, I was with someone. And last night, what was that like? I was alone. Yeah, how'd that work out? Oh, obviously not because I got cold feet. He goes, what, you, what should I do? He says, go get her. And then he goes into the room to get her and the cinematography in this scene i didn't like it is so bad yeah it's literally like if you'd cut to it and showed me it was a relative shooting it on a camera i'd forgive it yeah but like sloppy zooming like i get i get, I get handheld cinematography and how that works but it was a lot of and wanting to give it like an amateur like feel to build like a feeling of you know realness to it mm. But it didn't do that at all. All it did no. was it go, this feels like it was shot by like like the, I've, uh, Jason Reitman's assistant because he got sick that day. Yeah. Well, he's not even the cinematographer, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, yeah, someone yeah. who's, you know, let me see. You, oh, you want to learn how to make movies? All right. Yeah, here's a camera. You've, shooting point. You've got your 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 your, fi- your five million Reitman movie points card. So here you go. You <laughs> yeah. get to shoot the scene. Uh, oh, oh, and he's tripped. He's tripped. He's okay. <laughs> so brutal. Yeah, it was. Uh, in the wedding, Alex and Ryan are lovely. Uh, it's a nice montage. It was shot three times, I think my notes said. I've thrown the page on the floor because I had them out of order. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think it was shot three different times with, with real priests, and everything was done to give it a sense of, of, of reality. Mm-hmm. And, and the weddings were planned by, I remember this, by real wedding planners. Oh, cool. So it was like, you make it as authentic as possible rather than what a Hollywood version would think it would be. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. do that. yeah, yeah. Um, and so at the airport, she says, call me when you get lonely. She literally takes it two steps away. He just says out loud, I'm lonely. Yeah. The smile on his face. 
And then we go to Omaha. The new systems are up and running. Uh, the people firing people are called termination engineers, not terminators. <laughs> <laughs> and then he opens his fridge, and his fridge is full of little hotel room-sized bottles of booze. That's cool. The little Mickeys. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. So even like his life when he's at home is like he's on the road. Yeah. He's speaking at Gold Quest 20 or Double X. If you notice when, when he's at home, there's no really pictures or... No, it's, it's plain white walls. Plain white yep. Yeah, yeah. No uh, sense of living there. No really. sense because I said home is the road. Yeah. The road, his home, finger quotes, that's what feels like a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he walks um, off the circuit. Uh, oh, yeah. He starts his speech and then he just says, excuse me, and he walks off. The guy's like, what are you doing? Like, he's never working in that field again. No. Uh, now he's running to the airport, and he's going to Chicago. He's, he's going to get his girl. so excited, he forgot to give the valet his gold card number. So we know his priorities are shifting. Yeah. He goes to a house, rings the bell, and we see her, and she looks, like, floored that he's there. He goes, I was in the neighborhood. And then some kids go, who's that, mommy? Yeah. I'm like, whoa. And you picked up about 15 seconds beforehand. You're yeah. like, oh. She's going to have a wife because the, the house looked like a family house. It did, didn't it? Yeah. And then we hear the voice of a husband. Who's that? Oh, it's just someone who's lost. Nobody. Yeah. And shuts the door. And he takes it in his stride, though. And he goes. He, he's crestfallen, but he's, yeah. he's numb. And she phones him from a parking garage and says, I'm sorry I ruined your evening, but you really could have ruined things for me tonight. I judge her here. And she, she says, he goes, but... I, I was just talking to see you. you never told me. She said, you know, we thought we knew what this was. He goes, what? He goes, you are an escape. You are a break from normal life. You are a parentheses. But then why give him your address, your home address? Yeah. Why weird. would you do that? Yeah. But she leaves the power with him. Look, I'm an adult. If you want to see me again, you call me. No, don't call if her. don't, then don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Oh, it's hard, man. I wouldn't. It's hard. Once you've been rejected that bad, yeah. that's easier to. Once you're on the hook, it's hard to get off. Yeah, but yep. rejection, you can you, strong, strength come from rejection. Delete the number. Yeah. It's the only way you're going to get around it. Yeah. It takes a little while, but you uh, the, <laughs> the flight home, and on this flight is the flight he hits 10 million miles. And he's like, not this flight. Yeah. Captain of the fleet comes out to see him, meet Sam Elliott. Yeah, I love Sam Elliott. I think the guy's great. That guy never ages. No. He was always old, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> and then he's like, you got anything to say, son? He's like, I've played this uh, conversation in my head a thousand times. I'll go ahead and say so. I don't remember anything. No. He's like, you're not some like little kid. No. He said, you're the seventh one to get the card. You're the youngest one to hit 10 million. We really appreciate your loyalty after he's just been. Yeah. So who's good to him? Who's true to him? Corporate, you know, corporations, industry. But I felt if I was in that situation, I'd feel like I've just wasted all this time on well, the, trying to achieve something. They, that They ask him, where did you find the time? Yeah. So, I don't know. He goes, where are you from? I'm from here. And you really are. He's not from his, he's not from his, his, his place. He doesn't live no, there. No, So he's, he, he's at his office. He calls the number on the card. And he says, can I give some miles away? Oh, I like this a little bit. And he gives a million miles to the two newlyweds. They can go all the way around. Well, he gives them half that, doesn't he? 500,000. Each. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So sorry if I was unclear. Yeah, Two yeah, times yeah. half a mil makes a mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I guess this doesn't revoke his status. I guess you can, he's just 10 million miles earned. Yeah, you yeah. You don't have to yeah. have them in the bank to have access to this because he's got his own phone line. Yeah. Imagine, what's your job? Sit there just in case someone calls. You know what? That's a nice little payoff as well because we know as the viewer, he's done this for his sister and 
her husband and you know they're going to find out and they're going to be but, but we never see it but we never see it yeah that's it's, a good point it's a really nice little payoff he's interrupted by craig and we find out the woman who threatened to jump off a bridge jumped off a bridge i call bullshit on her because the way she came the way she came across in the interview <laughs> well, yeah but you can't call like the movie told us she jumped no, off a bridge so she did jump off a bridge yeah but there was no sin Right, and that's what I says that's the thing. So when they go, are there any signs? I'm going, okay, outside of verbally saying, I'm going to jump uh, off a bridge, yeah, but there was nothing else that made you think it was anything besides Big no, Talk. No, because that sounded like she was taking the piss. Yeah. Being, being um, stupid, basically. You're just going, oh, well, do you know what? I'm going to find the prettiest bridge where I live, and yeah. I'm going to jump off. But that didn't come across like that. He asks if Natalie's all right. He says, Natalie just quit. Yeah, good on her. Via text message. Yeah, that was- and Come Craig on. says, I need you back in the air. I need you on the road. Now, I don't know. Does Did what happened just prove that face-to-face doesn't work? Because they fired her face-to-face. Yeah. They didn't fire her any other way. No, no, no. That See? should have been, if anything, that should have been the guy that they saw in that room um, have had that the, the over the um, Zoom call, if you like. That I should agree. have been that one rather than the face-to-face. Yeah, I agree. And I also think at this point, he should have turned around and gone, I, I walked to yeah well, i'm not happy we're not really left to know what he's gonna do do we well i felt like he carried on um and so well, i don't know if he did or not let's talk through that um and so craig says i need you back in the air uh she's in san francisco she has an interview she's followed she, she admits like why'd you go up there i said i followed a boy yeah and that's like we've all done that at some point yeah, yeah. there's a great reference letter from ryan who kind of does like the this is the the devil wears prada ending oh i choked here's me. the great letter from the person saying if you don't hire this person you made a tremendous mistake which i i, I don't think this is a big surprise i think he would do this uh, they clearly yeah. bonded over their time there at no point was there even a hint this was going to be a romantic relationship no 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 which no. is really good yeah 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 more fired people talk about yeah it's hard being fired but i know what i'm coming home to and how important my family and friends were which ryan has neither of yeah and he just goes to the board and he's choosing somewhere to go so now he's flying out of choice because not out of compulsion haven't you ever just if it was me i'd go up and look and see where am i gonna go today yeah yeah yeah. so he's flying now does he still leave his job don't know yeah but we're being told that that's what he can do. I kind of hope he keeps his job. He doesn't seem to hate it. And also, it seems like, look, someone's going to fire these people. He seems to be good at it. I just think, I just think for him, I think he it'd been better if he'd have just walked as well because his boss is only using him still. And how many times does he give that speech about follow your dream? What was this before you did this? Yeah, wouldn't it have been nice of him to go. Well, actually, my dream was to do whatever. And I'm now going to, I've learned from my mistakes. Yeah. I'm going to listen to what I've been preaching to other people. Yeah. I'd like that ending. Yeah, not bad. Eh? And do you know what? I've quit, but I'm going to use my miles to go somewhere else. Somewhere other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think we're going to go somewhere else right now. And we're going to bring Reverend Bruce onto the show. I can't wait. So uh, we'll go ahead and set things up and we'll bring him on. Yeah, boy. <laughs> And it wouldn't be a BFF of the BFE episode without speaking to said BFF two in a row. But this week, we're talking to an OG BFF of the BFE, indeed, yeah. Reverend Bruce himself. How are you, Reverend Bruce? Happy New Year. I'm doing great. I am mentally tired because, you know, I started a new job. I was, going, I was going to ask about that. So there we go. It, you know how sometimes you can make a job move and you think, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that did not happen. Oh, good. Cool. No, this is really good. Oh, good. It was a great move. And starting in Advent was fantastic. That's a, I mean, Yeah, it is a nice way to kind of do it because it already feels special to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then you know you sort of built a, like like a, a corporate memory together it's like a bonding experience that's exactly what it is because advent is great anyway yeah. it's kind of the beginning of the church year but then you're going to all kinds of parties, wine parties, and this party and that party. No better way to start. <laughs> party's always good. Yeah, because uh, in my particular branch, we love our alcohol. So we have a wine <laughs> club. Georgia and I were lucky enough to uh, do uh, the Adams Family recently. And one of the yeah. one of the leads in the cast was a um, he's he, well, he was our lead and he's a Methodist minister. And oh, yeah. He's yeah. a he's a great guy to hang out with and have a drink or two with. He's yeah. ne- he's yeah. never he's never gotten like um, Verschnickened or pie faced or whatever, whatever term you want to use. But he's a cocktail guy. He's yeah, he's a cocktail guy. Yeah, yeah but he's, he, do you love a cocktail? He's 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 a he's a great laugh. And yeah. I, and you know, I do like. I do. He talks about you know some of the um, maybe some of the more stuffy tra- traditionalist types that he occasionally has mm-hmm. uh, within within members of his. Um, um, oh, I don't know how to what, what to call it. Members of. Uh, not as parish because parish are fine. The 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 other sort of mi- ministers maybe uh, in in, yeah, in yeah. the in the in the region, and, uh, and yeah. So he's definitely um, he's just a good soul. Yeah, yeah, he is. As are you, Reverend Bruce. Which is why it's always a pleasure to have you on. Now you said you didn't have to move house in order to make this move, right? No, not at all. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. a little bit further away, but it's moving's a pain. And moving is a pain. How, this is not a time you want to sell and buy. No. It's not. It is not a time you want to buy. Selling is good. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so it it, it works out in the end because housing prices went crazy. I mean, they've settled down a little bit, but um it has it. It's not a time you want to move. It's a pain anyway. Actually, that's interesting. I was reading an article just the other day that said here in the UK, don't buy a house in 2023. Yeah. In 2024, yeah. it's going to be a much more favorable housing market. You were saying in the UK, don't buy a house. They're saying don't buy a house this year because yeah. now, yeah. Uh, unlike Canada, which seems like it's just been in a steady state of, in- of price increasing for the last 30 years, uh, I think the UK market still is capable of peaks and troughs because then there is more government oversight. Yeah. to ownership who can own how many i mean it still is as someone trying to get in on it i mean it's still a daunting task i'm in the middle of saving but yeah if it could come down at all i'd really i'd really appreciate it yeah yeah well hopefully it will yeah but yeah moving in general is a pain even if the houses are good so i i don't need to good <laughs> not going to need to move even if i'm there for years i wouldn't have to do you know I hate when you do move and then you've got to move everything that you've got and then you get that one drawer that you just chucked a load of stuff in and you go, oh, my God, why have I kept all this? So the one benefit of my place, my place is very small. It is. And, like, I'm kind of limited in how much stuff I can accrue because of the place. So mm-hmm. the treadmill is going to be a bit of a, of a pain. <laughs> it's going to be a big pain. <laughs> that is going to be a big pain. I just leave what, it what do you, give someone 40 you quid to dismantle. Do you guys call a flat or a townhouse? I, I have a bungalow. That's what I have. It's just one story. So ground floor. I've got thing. like, yeah, I've got just like a fairly small sort of, I don't know, living room, sitting room, whatever you want to call it, which features, you know, you're kind of looking at the the back half of it with the uh, with the, the the dining table and the cabinet, I guess, behind that, whatever you want to call <laughs> that, and about about sixty percent the the other side of it, but it's not a very big room. I got a very small kitchen. 
two bedrooms, but the one bedroom is just like a spare bedroom for like storage, and I've got a treadmill in there. And then I've got a very small bathroom, but I do have what we call a garden. You would call, I guess, a backyard. Mm. Um, yeah. So I've got a small That's backyard. Very decent size, though. It's okay. The, like, yeah, it's, it, it's, it definitely adds value to to the place. Yeah, yeah. I need to use it more. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of, I've definitely busted at the seams here. I am, I am, I am. But uh, yeah, the, the, the other option, it's just a bad, it's just a bad market. If I was to go ahead and rent somewhere else, um, I couldn't get anything bigger for pay at least 50 percent more of what i'm paying for this already yeah, so crazy, it, it yeah. just wouldn't be it wouldn't be cost effective so i'll stay here until i'm ready to make the move and buy a house and that'll be me i mean georgia you're looking at going overseas to go to school so i, I don't think because you were looking yeah. to buy for a while i was for a little while yeah and then everything the house prices and everything just went up massively and so did the, um, the interest rates are high just the cost of living though with the bills and everything yeah. though just isn't worth oh, the, moving out yeah you couldn't afford to heat it if you got the house yeah i could, yeah. I could just about afford to pay for a house yeah. when i was looking but i wouldn't have been able to pay for anything else so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i'm That's still at home true. at the moment yeah i don't want to speak for ethan but yeah he seems to be quite settled for now he's going through uni anyway so he's not going yeah, anywhere yeah, yeah. and then yeah i don't know Lim? well i am looking to buy <laughs> um possibly this year so uh we'll see there you go. i mean i don't know there you go. so yeah I've it's seen a nice just, place i really like yeah if i have to see one more person post finally bought a house all those years and they're like 25 yeah. and they've been living at home and you know you know like, like 50 percent of a down payment came from the bank of mom and dad yeah and there's nothing wrong with that no, there's no, nothing no. wrong with that but to present your story on facebook is one of long-term struggle and sacrifice i'm like let's get the whole story out there shall yeah. we I do have a friend who who uh, I haven't I haven't seen too much recently, but they were always very honest about. Look, I couldn't have I couldn't have afforded this without the help I got from it. And I always I always appreciated them saying that openly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not this narrative that if you just work hard enough, you can find yourself a spot. Like I make a pretty stinking good living. Yeah, and I'm scrimping and saving in this in this climate to get money put aside. Mm-hmm. So loyalty. It's important. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> Get which, the miles. Which, which, which brings us nicely here for why we're here today, Reverend Bruce. You might notice there's a packet in front of you. Would like you to look at that because a <laughs> <laughs> packet. I'm going to go get my gun. I'm going to put bleach oh, in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotten up and left. He's on a Zoom call, so we can't follow him. <laughs> Uh, no, we're here to talk about up in the air, and you've had up in the air kicking about for yourself, Reverend Bruce, for a bit. We, I don't know when we stumbled upon this together, but you sort of expressed this a thing, and I was like, "Oh, up in the air, absolutely." Um, I think this past summer I mentioned to you in a chat or something. Yeah. So what was yeah. it about up in the air that sort of? Uh, what is it about it? Why is it on the list? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, you know what got me interested in it to begin with. This with this was 2010, right? Yeah, 2009, 2010, somewhere. 2009, in there. 2010. Yeah. When it came out, I had a job where I was doing a ton of flying. Oh. So I could relate in some sense to George Clooney, like you know those montages of him talking about you never check a bag. Yes. Yeah. I mastered that art because checking a bag, what takes you 45 minutes to an hour longer. And that, that is in fact true. So you've got all of these montages of him 
Oh, remember when they're at the one security clearance and he says, you always get behind Asians? And yes. Natalie says, oh, that's racist. <laughs> no, they just have a penchant for slip-on shoes and efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> and you never get behind old people because they have all kinds of metal in their bones. Yeah. And, of course, the family uh, with the, like family the stroller the, and all that sort of stuff. The family with the yeah. stroller. Well, ever since uh, 9-11, flying is just – it became a massive pain. Yeah. Not that it was ever fun anyway. No. So I just had a job where I was doing that and living that self-contained life up in the air. It's fun until it isn't. I mean, it's interesting, but it's not fun. So – that's what attracted it to me. But the other, th- you know, what I think carries this movie is the George Clooney performance. I think it's fantastic. He's very good in this. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought his performance was really, really good. I have this thing about how I love maps and I love the overhead shots where you're looking down on American cities. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, and the director said it, w- it was kind of like they were trying to have the postcard look. Yep. I think the cinematography is good. I like the soundtrack. It's kind of bluesy, folky, indie. Is that what you'd call it? I think so. I mean, it's got, it's not quirky, quite, yeah. it doesn't go as quirky as like Catch Me If You Can does, another, no. another flying movie. Yeah. yeah. But, but there is like a, yeah, a soulful, I think it's supposed to try and capture his isolation or his, yeah. Deta- so it's minimalist, but it's also yeah, it's got elements of excitement, but also of of tinges of of regret. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how and I, felt. I and I think that the um, the story is interesting. I I did a little bit of research. I didn't have as much. There wasn't as much available. But you know what? You know the people he's downsizing. Yes. Most of them are real downsized people. They're not actors. Yeah. Yeah, we did manage to pick up on that. Um, yeah. Because yeah, that, that felt real, thought, yeah. Other than uh, Galifianakis, J.K. Simmons, and remember the African-American woman who says, well, I'm going to go find a bridge to jump off? Yeah, that, mm. that definitely came through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I was fascinated by the theme because, and I'm sure you picked up on this, that it is that it's playing with what I think you would consider a very clear gender stereotype mm. where men don't want relationships, but they want sex and women want something different. I'll be honest with you. We haven't really touched on this. So um, it is interesting because Definitely the character of Alex presents herself then as that male she fantasy. She, but, yeah. but, yes. then, but then it's kind of like a Lady Macbeth, Macbeth thing. So when she presents yes. herself in that typically masculine way, he kind of then reverts to this more feminine yeah. sort of side of it then. Yeah. Precisely because she outdoes him in that trope. Because mm-hmm. remember that line where she says, I'm the woman you don't need to worry about consider me as yourself but with a vagina yeah, yeah. we may have quoted that line on the pod. <laughs> why am i not surprised <laughs> i think it's important because i think yeah. it's it's yeah. it's oh it establishes a character in one fell swoop isn't yeah it? yeah um i mean some big I mean, interesting the, the whole male female thing especially when you when you juxtapose him against really the other two main I mean, really it's 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 a, it's a main cast of three 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. The two women and him. And the other two are are, are, are both women. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't be really more different. And so there was there was interesting themes about gender. There was interesting themes about age. Mm-hmm. And then the intersectionality of age and gender. What does it mean to be a woman yeah. at 23? What does it mean to be a woman at, we left it a little bit up in the air. Yeah, uh-huh. ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, is it more... You know, late thirties, early forties, whatever it is, we, we, we sort of want to say there, mm-hmm. um, because Alex gives us the notion of by thirty-five, you've changed to this. But so everything that came from the older generation down was viewed as condescension. Mm-hmm. But then everything that came from the twenty-three-year-old up, you're like, hold on, you can't act like you have the life experience we do because you don't. And so, how do you have those conversations about using those labels and, and a lot of projection? I think of your own stuff onto other people Mm -hmm. for me this film comes down to the idea of the theme of loyalty it's always been it was the thing that carried it with me the first time i saw it and the a the irony that loyalty is so important to ryan when you consider what he does for a living (laughs) yeah yeah um but also loyalty in the sense that he doesn't feel loyal to any person ever but these corporate structures that have incentive and loyalty and reward programs where you even hear the voiceover tells us, you know, she's conditioned to save this exact line to me, which I believe he says he's chosen. Mm-hmm. He's selected from a pre-selected list. But that, it, it, that exchange, no matter how synthetic it is, because it's, it's pre-programmed, it's not organic, it is assuring to him and he enjoys the privilege that it gives him the idea of it in a world where maybe no other humans making you feel that way. I can make a corporation. I can make them treat me this way. Mm. And then what happens when he finally does put faith in a human being, when he finally puts them into his backpack. And then what happens when you could argue she does what she always said she was going to do. Although I know Liam and I have some thoughts on that. Yeah. With, in moments there but is she just acting like a dude like reverend bruce because we didn't think about that side of it yeah we didn't it's a really interesting thing but for me the, the, the main theme is lowly i'm really curious reverend bruce because georgia also wasn't with us when we recorded so i have no idea kind of her first thoughts in the film either <laughs> so, to give them so i'm throwing to you yes okay cool um it's a film <laughs> i felt neither one way nor the other particularly i thought george clooney was quite good but it was. It, I've been studying realism at uni in writing, and this just felt very real. And I don't care for realism in my entertainment massively. Like, what do you mean by real? It's 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 every day. It's mundane. This film is mundane. Nothing really happens in it. Mundane on the plane. His, 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 I think maybe also because I'm used to seeing that relationship, but flipped. So it's usually the guy who kind of like is being overly. Um, how like Reverend Bruce was saying they've kind of swapped round that relationship I guess I'm used to seeing a lot and it, so it then didn't surprise me let me let me let me pitch something at you because I hadn't thought about this but I was thinking about the last one of the more recent films that Reverend Bruce brought to the table mm-hmm. and a great deal of fun I had with the town <laughs> the, I missed that the one. broken romantic comedy that was <laughs> is is this the first two-thirds of a romantic comedy if it just misses that third act Potentially. Like in the yeah, part where like, yeah. you know, this summer, <laughs> Ryan's a guy who flies for a living, but she's the one who will make his head spin in the clouds. 
George Clooney, Vera Farmiga, up in the air. <laughs> That's good. Catch a flight of love this summer. Yeah, and I um, guess because then it didn't give me that escapist reality because, like a rom-com does. Because you've got the act like, one, they Ugh. fall in love. They even have the, it's very, I mean, if we think about how to lose a guy in 10 days, right? You get the part where they come home and they introduce her to the family, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And the family kind of all fall in love and they're so smitten. And then there's this thing, you're married, yeah, Mary. oh, you didn't tell me this. This could really screw things up for me. And then we're just missing the part where they run through, oh, I don't know, an airport? <laughs> <laughs> Towards each other and have that third act. Yeah. It just... It, but but again, because th- but that would be what we expect. So the real thing is, no, people lie to you. They have affairs and say, this is what I always wanted. If you can live with that, call me back. And that's it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean. It's very... No, it's very real it's not i would say I there's like a bit more escape if it's okay. fantasy i would say there's two types of films yeah okay Willow. There's probably more most of <laughs> uh two types of fictional films okay and they fall into most films fall into category one Princess category Bride. one plot yeah yeah it's a movie that you watch because of what the story does mm-hmm. movie number two character study yeah. yeah where it's not about what happens it's about what how our protagonist is different on the other side of it because the plot itself isn't the thing but it's seeing him change and he definitely changes he definitely does but he, it, he does it, yeah. it, uh, about the 75 percent mark he's a completely changed man but by the end of the film he's back to where he was oh is he i don't yeah, know well, i don't think he is no, if anything he is. more bitter and more jaded because of the experience he's just had mm. oh i think you're 100 percent wrong yeah oh this is gonna be fun okay i, I mean, agree with georgia i think i'd say he's gone back to being he's he's gone basically yeah. on fuck it I tried it it once. I'm now. No, but that's what a speech at the end is. People go home to to jumping dogs and to laughing children and all these different things. I'm in an airplane. No, because what you're wanting. See, this is the thing. You're wanting plot. This is a character study. He has changed. He hasn't. Or he has, and then he goes back. He He has. No, we just haven't got. We we haven't extended the movie by 15 minutes to see our five years later because that would be a little bit too Hollywood. Mm. But he has changed. He's absolutely changed. No, I think that that ending speech tells us. His job hasn't changed. No, that ending speech tells us he's gone back to what he was feeling beforehand. Absolutely, it does. Because he lists all these things that are are normal. Oh, I don't feel it does. Okay, it's interesting. And then says, but I'm up in a plane. Yeah. I, I agree with Georgia because he says, look up in the sky, you'll see the light. That's my wingtip. Mm-hmm. I'm back by myself where I belong. Mm. Yeah. I like the fact that he, he picks the, a destination. Let's, for, let's look at the things he does do differently, okay? He but gives, does, does he, though? Or does he is he just looking for his flight on that board? Because we've no, given that tip. No, no, no. no. We, she said to him, if I had all those miles, the first thing I would do is grab my bag, go to the airport, look up the board, and decide where I'm going. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's doing at the end. He decides. He does, yeah, but he doesn't then, but you don't, if you see him walk to, like, a flight that's not, uh, yeah, it's difficult because he that's what he was doing anyway he'd be checking where his flight no, was anyway we haven't seen him at any other point in the movie looking up to see where no, his flight is he, he knows where straight. he's go- everything has been so efficient and the editing has been so efficient in yeah, showing yeah, us that yeah, yeah. quick cuts hyper hyper um saturated fully yep every so every step is considered to be intentional mm-hmm. purposeful no wasted time he's done it so many times sitting there looking at the board is the exact opposite of no wasted time he's going there knowing where he's going knowing what gate he's at yeah okay he's, I'll, I'll give you that but I still don't think he's massively changed no that shows her impact on him as a person he yeah. also gives half a million miles to his sister and half a million miles to Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down yeah. to go fly around <laughs> the world but that's that's before He's found out about her and her family. The Miles is. 
No, the Miles is after. Miles is after. He only gets the card on the way home from finding out she is a family. He gets his ten million on the flight home. Please yeah. don't, please don't point at me. No, no, That's no, quite. It's not, no, I'm not being aggressive. No, it's me being. It's, it's precision. So he gets his ten million miles on the flight home from finding out because he goes, no, not now because the not one the who he I'm doesn't want to have. Don't yeah. don't reward me on this flight. But they do anyway. Well, because well, that's the 10 million miles. You can't go to him and go, no, can no, you no, please no, not reward no, me? No, I just no, found no, out the girl no. I'm sleeping with has a family. <laughs> <laughs> this summer, <laughs> Doug's got a new friend who's a pilot, but he doesn't realize that Doug's just crashed down in love. The doctor who was Doug Ross, now called Ryan. <laughs> Up in the air, but down in the dumps. <laughs> A buddy cop movie without the cops. <laughs> With Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott has the mustache. <laughs> I have no but idea. I, what I'm going to agree with you that this is two thirds of a romantic comedy that veers. Yeah. Because the thing I'm, it's been a long time, but I'm putting myself back into the first time I saw it. And I found that ending devastating. Mm. When he shows up at her door, oh for, yeah, and I'm, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man, because yeah. we've gone on that journey with him, yeah. Because remember, he was at, he was at Gold Quest, and he walked out of his speech at Gold Quest, which was his dream. Sounds like a b- pretty big character that. change to me. Yeah, it, does. <laughs> it was because I remember thinking, wait a minute, that's not how this is supposed to end. <laughs> And with the car Jeez. rental firm, he he walked away from his gold card. He said, yeah, yeah, you, haven't, you haven't given me your yeah, uh, yeah. card number yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you want to? I, I do have uh, one tid. Do you want to hear of a deleted scene? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, I heard an interview with uh, Reitman as the director, right? Jason Reitman. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Reitman. Remember, he was living in Omaha in that very antiseptic apartment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the other ending was he bought a house and Alex agreed to come be with him permanently. So he settles down. He goes to pick her up at the airport and she doesn't show up. Mm. No, I don't want that. Oh, I don't want that. No, that's way over the top. Yeah. But that was a considered ending. No. Yeah. I, I, like if you're going to end it unhappily, I, I love the way they did it. Yeah. Because oh, what are you? Perfect. You you are an escape. Yep. You are you are as you said, I don't get to be the person I am with you when I'm at home. That should be that should be the alarm bells. The alarm bell. Yeah. <laughs> that should yeah. be. But he's lost in this vision of something and that's caused him to uh to miss that flight. Mentally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I stretched that one a bit. There's <laughs> only so many there's only so many metaphors you can have. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, I thought I had something, and now I've, I've, I've lost it, a big a big moment or a big theme that I was going to talk about. But two of the women that are continually calling him out are his sister, Kara, and Natalie Keener. Because Natalie calls him a 12-year-old because he won't commit. And his sister, Kara, not the one who's getting married, but the other one. The, um, yeah, yeah is continuously calling him out for being detached. We felt with the uh, whole Natalie situation about his relationship with Alex was a bit over the top. This is the scene I was actually was thinking, what can I think of? And then Reverend Bruce brought it up and you've touched on it. Yeah. The bit where she chews him out by the dock. Yeah. 
Yep, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. I feel that is that that that, that felt. I don't know if it's out of line with, with, with the film or if it's just projection from her character, but it was unaddressed. She's just had a boy break up with her. There's nothing wrong with George Clooney's character saying, I have a casual relationship with this woman. And like all of a sudden, Natalie comes like down on him like, like a ton of bricks going, yeah. why are you getting involved in this? You've spent one night with us. Let's keep this in mind. You spent one drunken night of yeah. which you're hungover for right now. Yep. And you're still reeling from the breakup of your long-term relationship that you thought was going to be a marriage and kids and all those things that you had planned out. How is this anything but projection on her part? And why doesn't Clooney challenge her on that front rather than defending his relationship? Yeah. So I felt it it felt out of character and it felt like we needed a moment of these two characters to be in crisis so they can come together later. Mm. But Instead, if he just goes, look, you're just projecting. Don't put the fact that your guy walked out on me. Oh, my word. You know what that is? That's an organic fight yep. that you can actually believe, and then you need to have a reason for them to come together. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Drop the mic. That's just, yeah, I mean, that was one that when we spoke about it, I went, I don't like, I didn't remember this scene that well, and I'm like, I don't like where she went to on that. Mm. I just don't like that he's not allowed to just be who he is. Everyone in his life is telling him that he's wrong for his decisions. And I'm a bit like, no, if you want to be a single bachelor and go and fly and have casual relationships, have at it, mate. Especially when she watched them and saw how happy she was. It's like, who are you? to? Uh, yeah. What's wrong with this? Has she has she pulled you aside and said she wants more? No. Did you see me say something and see her like, go, oh, and the camera sort of shows it and then we focus pull to Natalie noticing? Isn't there then one, that's fine. Isn't there one bit, actually, where Natalie's, not Natalie. Um, Alex? Alex sits with natalie and uh ryan when they're getting drunk yep and don't you say oh it'd be nice to have a family and have kids maybe she one day to, when they're discussing the, their ideal yeah. ma- but she's like already man. got the family and kids she's yeah, saying she's, that he'd have to like is, kids and there's an earlier the scene yeah. yeah there's an earlier scene where he's already said so that she definitely doesn't him. want kids which is both in front of this her escape. She gets, about. So she gets to go out and pretend she's someone else yeah. and have a different life. And then she's answering this question sort of half in who she really is, but also half in this made up character she's created yeah, for she's, herself. She's not being genuine. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's an excellent point, you know, but so I don't understand why Natalie is so involved. I don't, I do not understand this at all, especially when, I mean, the film probably could give us a little bit more about Natalie and her man's relationship. Because it went from, it seemed like a really nice drop-off at the airport. Yep. And then we had one phone call about, oh, no, I don't think of him that way. He's really old. <laughs> Which was a nice little joke, right? Yeah, but yeah. you think of the idea that he was really, really jealous. And then all of a sudden, they've just broken up. And I'm like, I, I guess in all those montages, could we have had her looking at her phone, like, concerned once or twice about, yeah. like, are you still on the road? When are you coming home? Uh, any of that stuff. But we didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all simultaneously blanked there. We're all, we're all, yeah. Um, I was trying to do something else here. Um, I, I don't know, Reverend Bruce. What do you think? Do you think? Do you think he phones her back? Um, who? Uh, do you think he phones Alex? Alex? George Clooney. Yeah. Does he call Alex again? Does, does he call yeah, Alex yeah. at the end? No, I don't think he does. Me either. It's hard. I wouldn't if I were him. Well, no, I wouldn't. See, the thing is, I, he took the rejection yeah. from his sister because they. Yeah, he's not. He's not a bad guy. He's no. not an asshole in this at all. No, he's really genuine when he sits down with people. and He's firing them. He's he's actually taking interest in them. 
and yeah. trying to. Yeah, he's not a villain. He fires people, but he's not. A, he's not a villain. Yeah, no, and he cares about his sisters. Otherwise, he wouldn't go around trying to get these pictures for her. He wouldn't offer to be to walk her down the aisle. Um, and yet they make out that he's distant and not this person. Where yes, he's all those things, but he's also a kind, caring person. And when he says to Alex, you know. I miss you and you know all these things and he he's saying stuff he never really said before she says them back she don't hesitate she says them back so i judge her for when he when he goes up to her to find her and why in the first place does she give him her address so i was like how does she how yeah, does he end up know. with that why would you that's a, that's a movie's got a movie more if you if you're hiding it but you know yeah again he he took it on the chin when he when he like answered the door. He didn't mention say anything to her. He just looked broken, and then he moved on and went. Um, oh, I have something I've lost it. So in the short term, I'm just going to say, Georgia, did you recognize that Fletcher from Whiplash was one of the people getting fired? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> the one who says the one who is like, "What do you want? You you want you want to cook? You want to cook when you were younger?" Oh, is that him? That's yeah, Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goes, maybe he didn't recognize about him throwing something at his head. Yeah, maybe, maybe that would have yeah. helped. He threw yeah. some slurs though, didn't he? <laughs> he, he went, uh, fuck he, you. Well, he, he, he used some profanity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, just, it was just the one word though, so you wouldn't pick up on it, yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it needs to be more. He goes to fire him and he went, not hey. my temper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now in our house, that's one of our favorite movie moments. That is a good, I bit. Quote, good bit. I quote that line to my kids because I quote Clooney saying to J.K. Simmons, how much did they pay you to first yeah. give up on your dreams? Yeah. That's a great line. I think it's going to be the intro to, to, to the episode. I, I knew it was going to be from, from Simmons. I thought, well, it's going to be that whole sequence. But again, um, you genuinely feel it from George Clooney. You know, why would you take that interest in going, I knew you wanted to be a cook. I knew you wanted to. Yeah. Clooney realizes yeah. this is the lowest day of many, one of the worst days of their lives. This isn't any other day. This isn't just someone we can't just rattle through these. Each situation is its own, um, its own organism that requires a deft way of handling it mm-hmm. and use it in a way that allows people to leave with some sort of dignity and maybe even hope. It could be disguided dignity and disguided yeah. hope, but they have to walk out not feeling like an abject failure yeah. as much as possible. Some people you, you, you just can't reach, but we have this. And so... You take that humanity, which he seems to have for all these strangers, but, oh, this is good, but doesn't have for his own family for large portions of the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And then back to my argument then, when um, the woman, we get the report that the woman's jumped off a bridge and he sees what's happened. Rather than worry about his own liability or anything like that, he goes, how's Natalie? Yeah. And he looks out and his interest is in her. So in an essence, using their own metaphor, he's put her in his backpack. Yeah, and then made, he made sure she's okay on the way out by ensuring she receives the job that will make her happy, which is where she should go before she got railroaded. One could argue by the negative side of attachment, mm-hmm. which this movie maybe could steer more into because it does. I think I think everyone's right. The movie does leave us with this montage of people saying, "I wouldn't have gone through being fired if it wasn't for my family and friends." So the idea is that, much like in a Christmas Carol, Ryan's our Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, but you don't celebrate family. <laughs> He's going, you celebrate family in your way. Let me celebrate it in mine. But at the end, we do it this idea where she makes a misguided decision. She, 
she's penalized for it until she realizes this isn't where I should be and then reverts back to her original plan. Mm -hmm. Now, does anybody here think that Anna Kendrick's character is bad for going back to San Francisco and going back to her original individualized course of action? No. So is that something about age where you can do that if you're 23, but if you're George Clooney's age, it's bad? No, because I'm championing George Clooney living his own way of life. I don't like the fact that his family and everyone around him are telling him that he should be settling down and these sort because that's not for everyone. No. Okay, but you said he returns back to the way he is, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't. just he goes back to his job. Arguably, we're not even one hundred percent sure if he does that. Sure, yeah, we know he's flying, but the fact that he doesn't end up partnered up, I think that that's not him revert. You can change without partnering up. Mm. Because I think he's found it, but rather than find a romantic partner, he finds it in friendship with, with Natalie yeah, or camaraderie with Natalie, and he finds it with family connection by taking care of his sister and Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can completely see that, but I think then the, that end speech needs tweaking slightly because the speech absolutely comes across as everyone's got these families but i'm in the sky i'm curious i'm curious what the book would say i i, I really am yeah and the idea he he is who he is and i like that but in I a sense think- of I, 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 you said he changed he is who he is because he does this job and he's dang good at it but i think he's open to the idea now of having a family and settling down he found someone with, with who he would and yeah. then that idea of loyalty takes on a totally different idea because now he's willing to risk it but the difference is with a person it's not pre-programmed yeah they can't greet you with that with that inauthentic statement. You can get hurt. Yeah. As opposed to a corporation, which has to keep you on side. Yeah. I'll tell you what I don't like, though. I'm just coming, pivoting back around to it. Is that there is, he completely denies any accountability for the suicidal woman. I think, because no, we I talked about this. I think he's trying to. He's not saying, this is how I read it. And I'm curious to get Reverend Bruce's thoughts on this. I, I did not read it as she didn't say anything because she, she clearly said something. The question was, did she seem depressed? Did she seem so? What was her emotional state like? Did she give you any tips besides the words she spoke that she might be legitimate? Now, I agree with you. It's a shaky, it's a shaky ground. I don't know if See, I put it go, in my movie. Say, if you go on any suicide prevention training, one of the biggest things that you will be told is that you need to watch more closely for the people that are calm and euphoric because it means they've made their decision. How many? And they're at peace okay. with that. So, yeah, actually, this, is a, this is a bit of a move. This is, a, this is a bit of a movies in a different world than I, I, I don't know how grounded in reality this film is. You seem to think I'll it's tell you what I think is going on there. As I recall, Natalie fired her. Yes. Yeah. I yep. think he's covering for Natalie. Yeah, of course he is. And I think you could eat. Clooney knows there is some responsibility there, but he said to Jason Bateman, no, I didn't see anything because I think he's protecting Natalie. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it, I think I it think, potentially is, but I still think it should have been on. It, to me, it doesn't sit right that they would in his line of work, and he's fired that many people that it wouldn't be protocol to report even people saying things yeah. like that because that seems like it should. But be. again, if you watch I, it, it comes right, across yeah. as sarcastic when she says it. Yeah. I, I, that, that, that shouldn't it matter does. though with a threat of. I also, that. I also think if this was real life, you would have to have a member from the actual company in the room with you yeah, for any you, of yeah, this. Of course you would. Of course you would. Because yeah. are, do they have unlimited. You know, you know, the HR person might be able to go. Yeah, they've really. Had a struggle to, they don't know anything yeah. so you need to have real-time access to everything that's occurred so there's a little bit of movies got movie in this well, yeah there, and is, there would be video of the thing that they could look at and yeah. everything if anything that's a, that's a thumbs up for anna kendrick's plan yeah. everybody getting fired by zoom is yeah. like you could, you, could, you could record everybody yeah <laughs> especially i mean geez when you wanted to call them terminators 
Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tone of this film's interesting. It's got, it's, it, it's very subtle. It's subtle, and it goes to a bunch of different places. Yeah. Because there's moments where I'm, like, when they're in Wisconsin together, when they're in the throes of their romantic comedy, like, like act two, the lovey-dovey part, mm-hmm. I'm, like, all in with the two of them. They're such a cute couple. They are. Yeah. What great chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. What great chemistry. Yeah. Which is why yeah, it's so hard at the end, isn't it? Yeah. Reverend yeah. Bruce, question? Yes. He is clearly falling in love with Alice. Yes. <laughs> in my view, she's certainly coming across that she's clearly in love with him. Yep. So, A, does she, and then she realizes, uh-oh, I can't do that, and she pulls it back, or is it just a put-on? I think it's just a put-on. I, I think she's very fond of him as that escape and how he makes her feel. Mm. But he instigates everything. Yeah. So he says, I really like you. She says, I really like you back. Yeah. He invites her to Wisconsin. She says, no. Then finally she says, yes. There's these, he gives her the key to his place. She seems a bit, uh, but doesn't do anything beyond that. So I'm going to say. She still takes it. I'm going to say she, she, I think she escaped. I think she, she, yeah, because she doesn't want to lose him. Any one of these steps means you got to sort of come clean and then that that's over. But as soon as I come really to the knuckle when he's at the door, she completely colds him. That that's yeah. That's, shoulder him that, completely. that's the point I'm arguing. She, he is the thing that's separate from when she's at home. When she's at home, she's mum. But then why was there such a close call? Why did she not go, look, this got too much. This is not really where I... Because she likes the way she feels when, when, when he's there. But yeah. as long as he realizes the role, you are never going to change this side. This side will always be here. Mm-hmm. But when you thought you'd have said something... Again, stop putting yourself in the movie. No, no, I can't, I can't, I can't help it. I can't help it. That's me in it. Um, because of who she I is. just thought... I just thought it was a terrific acting job of their affection. They really had chemistry. I mean, like Reverend Bruce said at the start, and I hadn't considered it, flip, flip, flip the script. The idea of a guy who has this affair on the road and surprise, surprise, he's got a wife and kids at home wouldn't be surprising in the slightest. No, how, no, big, how, big of, how big of a, of a diversion was it for us here? Yeah, yeah. 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 They just completely flipped the gender stereotype on its head. Yeah. Because that's a clear gender type the man who's philandering but the woman who's not find someone who looks at you the way george clooney looks at vera Farmiga in this film yeah okay so question reverend bruce because we, we I, I did hypothesize this i think vera Farmiga. i think as i said i'm not quite entirely sure i think she's an incredibly attractive woman in this film and i was i was going i bet you reverend bruce is going to say the same thing absolutely yeah. oh yeah <laughs> both in looks and in yeah incredibly charming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean yeah. that's the other side of it too Very, is that she holds her own good charisma oh yeah excellent charisma yeah. challenges him yeah yeah and, I think and that's they've what got all of this sexual innuendo with their loyalty cards and yeah. yeah usually the yeah. metaphor is something else to represent the penis but in this case the penis was represented the number of miles <laughs> which i thought was great it's great yeah. and she's got like sixty thousand a year which is a lot of miles but that's kid stuff compared to him she calls, yeah, a, pe- yeah. She calls a pedestrian yeah yeah which is funny if you consider the literal meaning of the word pedestrian yep. so yeah so i enjoyed that um i'm trying to think 
Um, something we did notice. I'm curious if you noticed it on your rewatch. After Clooney has the please marry my sister speech with Danny McBride, mm. yep. and they come back out, the cinematography goes to pot for about three minutes very shaky it's shaky it's like random zooms. zooms it looks like it's shot by like a handheld um cinematographer oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah <laughs> so like it seems like it's just not being shot a pro like like but by a pro it just really took me out of it in a way that i didn't notice the first time but i'm like this is During horrendous the, the, the wedding and the wedding reception not the wedding and the wedding reception the bit where he comes back to her in they're in all they're all in some sort He's of room in the church feet, hasn't he and he yep. comes back and sort of like hugs her and, and he, kisses her and they pan over to Clooney and um, um, Alex who are sort of hugging as they look on from afar. But it's this one long shot, but it's all shaky cam. It's not the wedding yet. It's just the, him saying, yeah, I'll marry you, baby. I'm sorry about You're this. You're my co-pilot. He repeats You're my co-pilot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, I don't know if that's horrendous. Yeah, I don't know if that was deliberate because one of the things they did say was that they shot they had the wedding and they shot the um, reception in the church basement. Yep. So it did have the feel of like a home movie. It was actually planned by um, actual wedding planners and it was done. Yep. The wedding was done by, by an actual minister. So that it wasn't Hollywood types thinking what weddings were or what a small town wedding was. Like this reminded me a lot of weddings I've gone to back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, it felt very authentic. So the, I guess the shaky cam didn't bother me because I kind of put it in that framework. I don't mind when the ceremony was on. It was just this scene. It was before yeah. it. It felt weird, didn't it? It felt, like, it felt like it was like a handheld home movie, which was fine, but then give me someone shooting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just weird. So yeah. there was that. Um, is there anything else? I mean, Anna Kendrick. We'll tell you this. I'm curious. I mean, we're all going to come up in a bit, but I think it's worth talking about not just in like its own token little statement. I'm curious. I'll throw to Georgia first just to get her th- takes on it. But I loved the fact that we had a completely organic friendship, uh, almost a uh, mentor and mentee kind of rapport mm. between a male and a female character. But didn't for one moment get caught up in any sort of will there or won't they? Oh, yeah, it was great. It was really nice to yeah. see that. Yeah. Because originally that role was, was, did I say it was suggested in the book? In the book, it's I a male character, so, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So by going female though with it, I was like, I love this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's nice to see also that she's the one that has this new idea and she was taken seriously by this big company. It's just nice to see it. Yeah. Because it would usually be a, a young upstart male. But then that, and then that opened up the conversation between her and Alex. Yeah. About the differences in your 20s and the differences in your 30s. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting conversation. It and was. then Ryan gets to be like us. You just sort of. You're just sort of in the room, yeah, sort of watching, watching this happen because watching, I do think listening. because we're aligned to Ryan. I think the camera replaces everybody in a, in a in a male perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of what what films typically do with yeah. your protagonist, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, then we get to see. It, we always had cutaways to his reaction to everything, including the bit where Alex admits that she'd had relationships with women, and it's not really any better. <laughs> he looked shocked, yeah, <laughs> half shocked, half, half like, like ooh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conversation later. Um, so yeah. So I just want to get you to get your take on it. Yeah, no, so I like it. But I, when we were talking about obviously her like commenting on his relationship, as in Anna Kendrick commenting on his on the pier, it then frustrates me as well when both of them are like, oh, your mind will change. It's like, it might do, but equally it might not. So the fact that there's two older people kind of going, oh, you'll, you'll think differently when you're older. I'm curious. That's a little bit frustrating. I don't, remember this, I don't remember this scene well enough. Mm-hmm. If she legitimately asked for advice then you can't do the you're patronizing me. 
I don't know if she did or not. That, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the question I'm asking. If she didn't ask for advice, then, they, then it's just patronizing and going, don't assume my, my journey will be the same as yours. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of that in this film. And I don't, there's something to be said for experience, but not everyone's experience is the same. No, but, but you take a relationship, right? The very, your first, the one, because there's never just the one, <laughs> very rarely. Um, <laughs> it's the, the first, the one, and you jump in, you're like, oh my God, everything's great. You're like an excited dog who just goes, woo. And um, then you get hurt. And then the next one, you're kind of still excited, but not as excited as the first time. Then you get hurt. And this is all experience and time. And then you, you become a little bit jaded. You come a little bit. You don't jump in straight away. You do hold back. And that is experience. And I think that's what Alex was trying to tell her. You don't. You have all these criteria you think is going to fit the perfect guy. But then she goes, as you get older, you go, well, they haven't got to have the great body. They haven't got to have this. But you know what? If they make me laugh or make me smile, I'm good with that. And then part of the unique part of this podcast is that we're mirroring it right now. <laughs> because we have, because there's, there's a clear age gap in this point and, and and georgia will never be able to access this conversation from the perspective of someone 35 plus and then maybe at 35 plus she'll look back and go oh i might have handled oh, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I, or maybe she won't remember that but maybe she'll be giving advice to someone else who's down that side and the yeah, same thing will yeah, come yeah. back or maybe not it's totally possible yeah because we're all a little bit different but i remember being on the other side of this conversation and going don't talk to me old man yeah <laughs> I was the i'm same. different from you i was the same i was the same so yeah, but there is that sort of um, no. I, mean, I don't know. I really. It's weird. I really. Alex comes across as someone who, minus the one big thing, is painfully obvious. Uh, sorry, painfully honest throughout the film. Yeah, apart from the big thing. Apart from the big thing. Yeah, yeah but but is she painfully honest, or is it just because, the illusion of painful honesty? Yeah, because uh, fair enough. He's he's genuinely falling in love with her. And you can see that, and yet she still responds the same. Now, keep in mind, he is still the same guy who makes a speech about take everybody out of your backpack. Well, yeah, yeah. but you want to see him. He does change. He does, but does she see that? Well, I don't know. Maybe. And then there's the thing, right? Because he walks out on this thing. Does she know that he walked out on this thing? Well, no. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't confuse what we know with what she knows. Mm. Yeah? So Good point. Hey, I stumbled upon Also, she, she has no reason not to know. Like, obviously, with his backpack and stuff, and but... There's much, how you don't know how much of what he's saying to her is a front as well. Sure. Like, he might have a life at home and he just doesn't, whatever, until obviously they go to the wedding. But, yeah. like, but she Googles him. She, she try and finds out a lot about him. He doesn't do the same for her. Well, she, he, I, we get the idea that he's much more like, prolific than she is in her job because she says about how she would want to be with someone who's got a bigger paycheck because that's a lot of issues and then like smiles over to him. So it's... It gives the idea that he is much more wealthy and much more. Well, also, David, she only had like 60,000 miles and she knows he's way higher yeah, than yeah. that. Um, the, the, one about, I mean, the one about the paycheck was interesting because I didn't take that as being any. Obviously, I don't think anybody else, else here is, but I just want to say it again. Um, it's about the idea that it's she has no issue with a man making more money or less money, but she's obviously been in relationships where that's broken them. Mm-hmm. Or it's been an issue because the guy can't handle it with his ego. Yeah. But would yeah. that bother you? I haven't, like I said earlier, I haven't come across it yet. No, but if, if, because I've been in that situation. Okay. And never once did that bother me. I still paid my way. I still did my, everything else. But just because my ex wife was on more than me, it doesn't. I really don't think it would matter one bit to me. I was never bitter about it. No, I really don't think it would matter one bit to me. What, on the surface, and the question then becomes if you have conversations like all couples do about how do you spend money? 
And then all of a sudden, if it's the person who makes more money, is starting to say, hey, I don't like the fact that you said that. Then it comes, oh, hang on. So where is this coming from? Is it because you, is it because you make more money? You're, 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 you're questioning this? Or what is this? Yeah. Well, that's the typical female side of it always. So. Yeah, I guess as a, as a guy, I've always felt sort of, maybe, maybe it's my own script. I don't know. I've always had this idea where I'm just going, yeah, I'm totally okay with having that conversation and yada, yada, yada. And maybe I felt that they're a person that have a trump card they could play because I could come at it from the notion that uh, I never considered, let me put it this way, I never considered my money to be my money and her money to be her money. I consider it to be our money mm. when I was married. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I always thought, so yeah. this is my, my view in relationships. I always think you want them to aspire to be as the best they can and flourish as much as they can be positive towards them as much as you can and give them a lift up when they need it. And I hope in return, they do the same for me. When you start pulling people down because they're earning more money, that's when you start having problems. Let me ask, you you can totally sidestep this one if you don't answer it, Reverend Bruce. I'm just really curious because church systems in their very nature, there's, there's this typical sort of power structure where there's the pastor and the pastor's wife. Yep. And the pastor's often seen as a leader and the pastor's wife is often seen... Maybe as a leader within the women in the church, but generally as a support for her husband. But then you have situations where some pastors' wives work, some pastors' wives don't work. And then with our friend who whose wife is also a pastor. So also is also a minister. Yeah, so it's a, yeah. But he's never called a pastor's husband, I bet. No. <laughs> nope. uh, but I, I'm just kind of calling on... Does the church by its very nature, at least from your experience, sort of defer back to these typical... The men are the leaders because they're in the positions of authority or power, and does finance come into that? I mean, it's, it's a really loaded question, but I'm just sort of throwing that out your way. See, historically it does, but it's really changed. Okay. Like the one I'm in, the answer would be no. Like Katie McRae has her own job that's a good one. Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um. She goes to where I'm the pastor, but that's about it. Okay. She doesn't have time to do much else. See, for us, it's not an issue, but that would vary church to church. The trope that you just mentioned is probably more, more predominant. Okay. But I deal with a lot of marriages, divorces. The issue of who makes more money is much less relevant than probably it used to be. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think that part matters. It's other things. Who So when Alex, and I thought of this, um, when she said, w- was she promoting the idea that it's important that he makes more money? Yes. I didn't agree with her on that because I personally don't see that. I like think... When- I think from a character perspective, she wasn't saying it's important to me he makes more money, but it no, seems yeah. to be important to the men that they make more money. Yeah. So it's just a headache I would rather be without. I yeah, think it was that a, makes that's sense. The I, I think it was a comment about the insecurity yeah. of men. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, how that makes sense. I think it's less of an issue than it used to be, even in church spaces. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, if there's anything else to hit before the green button, I think it's but, green button time. Oh, what was that? But it'll, de- it'll depend on the person. If someone's just jealous by nature, it can be a huge problem. Yeah. Whether it's the man or the woman. Mm-hmm. 
We're in the end game now. We are in the end game now, but I just thought about something. <laughs> I mean, if you have jealousy at all, I mean, that job that she's doing and the job that he's doing, I mean, oh. it, 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 it's going to be where relationships go to die. So you also want to talk about, about performative. But that's why um, Natalie's relationship broke down. Yeah, because she had a. Because he I wish they'd given us more of it. But yeah, yeah, but that but little focus bit they gave us. It seems so weird. Obviously, if she's wanting to, by Sheena, I mean Alex. If Alex is doing this performative kind of, I need an escape. I need to be someone who's not me. I get to be someone who's. This isn't how I act when I'm at home, when I'm not with you. Da 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 da. Yeah. How great is the performance at home where her being away? Because she just. She just went to Wisconsin for the weekend. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like, there's things like this marriage has got to be in pretty good shape, at least as far as his perspective of it, to authorize this. Because if he that's doubts the view it all, that, that's the view that gives you when she, when he when Clooney gets to the door. No, it helps that we don't know what her job really is. No, she has meetings. Yeah, yeah, but that's a happy family. Kids running up the stairs. Who was that, honey? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, no yeah. one. I just lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So. But, but I, I was thinking we actually don't know what the state of it is. No. It might be happy or they might just be going It's that brief there. moment. That's, that's all they give you, isn't it? I love that we don't even see the guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good we, job she owns still, I think we get a silhouette. Oh, that could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my intuition tells me it's not as good as she's making it because. It can't be. She. Of course not. Yeah. She wouldn't be doing that if it was. But no, the, the, exactly. the performance that must be going on at home to keep up the illusion. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah. you think about, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get crass here, but when they're doing the sexting thing, and he's like, next time, call me, she's probably sitting at home. Yeah. Yep. She might be on the road, but she might be at home, you know, two feet away from her husband. Yeah. Sending that message. And of course, you can't pick up the phone, but you don't know that. He's just going for a little bit further, like guys I think would typically be more, more assertive. typically yeah. to be, yeah. which is weird because she would also be fairly assertive, we would she say. Would, yeah. But she kind of like just disappears. And you're like, oh, what's going on here? Well, it's probably because she's. Mm-hmm. I can only assume she has a work phone. And when she's at home, it's just not switched on. So it wouldn't be an issue. Think so? Yeah. She would hide it that's, well. I think she? that's the only way she'd Been be able to get away with that sort of conversation. Yeah. Okay. That's what that's what I read. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it is the end game now. Uh, Reverend Bruce, you know you've got extra responsibilities to do with us here. Uh, one of them is the random word. What are we doing for a random word today? Um, carbon fiber loyalty card. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's four ways. tells me off for <laughs> this. Well, we may have loyalty. to reduce that. I think it's going to limit the gifts available um, to us. <laughs> uh, gold, Hertz number one gold card. Um loyalty card there we are loyalty, loyalty card. card yeah i'm gonna see what's available see what's available i like loyalty loyalty card or- <laughs> actually i just thought of one that if someone gives me it it's it wins <laughs> i've already got the winning gif in my head oh, okay oh i know exactly where i'd go with that okay does that work loyalty card george yeah. is looking it up we'll we'll let you know uh the money 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 uh this film uh 25 million dollar budget i mean it was shot in a shoestring right 50 for 50 days yeah yeah how much do you think it brings in let's start with reverend bruce i have no idea um 70 <laughs> 70 25 million being a shoestring <laughs> that's crazy Today's day, Ned, yeah? yeah 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 um that was a moderate hit i think i remember hearing about it at the time 120. 120 and Georgia? 50. Uh, Liam, you're actually the closest. Uh, it, it got some buzz around award season. So yeah, as a yeah, result, yeah. 
it got like a fresh new lease on life in the cinemas. Plus, don't forget the $2 I spent on it. Exactly. Yeah. See, that made all the difference. <laughs> I, I just, I spent one ninety nine on it yesterday Did as you? well, yeah. Oh, I, I thought, yeah, that, that, that won't count towards this figure, unfortunately. Oh, uh, you mean it's not live? No, I went and saw, no, because that, DVD sales don't count for this or, or oh. streaming things. It's just in cinemas. So I went to a discount cinema and saw it for, for, for one ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends gave $8 towards that. So that is uh, $166.8 million. Which, if you think about it, that's like six and a half times its budget. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's about as good wow. as you're hoping for on that. So, there we go. Did, out of curiosity, did Ethan send you any notes? No. Oh, he said he was going to, so. Uh, I don't believe he has. Just check one more time. But we'll look at the awards. Five Oscar nominations, no wins. But what was it nominated for? Best screenplay? Yeah. Um, Adapted, because it was a book. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Best actor. Best actor, yep. Clooney? George Clooney. Yeah. Best supporting. Um, Alex. Yes, Vera Famiga. Yeah, yeah, yep. I can't say her name. <laughs> Farmiga, Famiga, yeah. She was Someone's going to message me and tell me how to do it. I, I tried. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt best picture. But best picture? I, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's one so, more than so this it? is why it makes 100, 166 yeah, point eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. once you get nominated for best picture, you get re-released in all the cinemas, and then yeah. everybody goes and goes, "Oh, it's nominated for an Oscar. I'll check it out." Yeah. Which is a shame. That independent films like this, this is the only way they they, they make their bank. It's a shame. Yeah. It's a slow year then. So we're at four. There's only one more, and it's Ivan Reit, not Ivan Reitman, Jason Reitman for best, best director. director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it also was nominated for six Baftas, uh, and it had the win for be- adapted screenplay on that one. Uh, both women got supporting actress nominations in the BAFTAs um, and so screenwriters uh, it also won the Golden Globe for adapted screenplay in fact Sheldon Turner and Jason Reitman won all the major Oscar precursor awards including the Golden Globe BAFTA Critics Choice and Writers Guild of America awards but they didn't win the Academy Award for best adaptive screenplay as of 2018 this is the only example of this ever occurring in the history of the Oscars wow <laughs> Where you won every build-up and then didn't win for 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 screenplay specifically. What did win was the screenplay for for Precious. Oh, okay. Which I still say I've never seen. No, I haven't. So I'll take that for what it's uh, what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Reverend Bruce. It's time. It's a small cast. Who would you cast as who? I've been thinking about this, George. You're Natalie. It would make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll make myself Jason Bateman, but I'm struggling with the others because, okay. Ian, you could do the George Clooney vibe, but you don't strike me as that kind of person, that self-contained. Oh, it's just an acting performance. doesn't have to an be. Acting. <laughs> it doesn't have to be who I am. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I'm more you Alex. You could pull that off. <laughs> so, Liam, you're going to have to be Alex, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No. You're the Miss Piggy to my Kermit. You're her. the Alex to my Clooney. Jeez. See? <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Could you could you pull Alex off? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you seen my ass? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you didn't see hers either. Jeez, I'll show up at your door with a sign saying, "Say it's Carol Singer." <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, uh, who, who, who are you getting from Bruce? You're going to be Jason Bateman? Jason Bateman. I said Jason Bateman, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's a, it's a very small cast, isn't it? It, it really is. Yeah. yeah. You'd be Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, 
Did you recognize Reverend Bruce? I, I, I don't like the show. I mean, I hate the show. But it was such a, a hit in America. You, you couldn't have, uh, have, have avoided that. Uh, oh, you, you, mean, you could have, you know, have to watch it, but it would be there. The sitcom Two and a Half Men. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a neighbor who lived downstairs, Rose, and that's who played Clooney's little sister who was getting married. Just curious if... Uh, you know, I didn't pick that up. You, you, it would not... It all, that yeah, it, that show was everywhere. Yeah, I was, hate it so much. Um, mainly because of the John Cryer. Yeah. Like, you know, Joey, like, how stupid can you make him? It's like, how much of a pervert can you make John Cryer? <laughs> um, so, did this film have a villain problem? Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. They make him out, everyone else makes him out to be a villain, but he's not. He's not at he's all. Not. And then oh. there's the twist, and is she a villain? They're not really okay. a little bit, but, but does the film need a villain? No, because it, you said it's a character. Yeah, study, so because the question is, yes, it doesn't have one. No, but is that no. a problem? No, is the question because I think you need the reveal of it to be her for us to go on that ride. Because uh, man, uh, it, yeah, it hit yeah. me. It yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, you, Liam got there for about thirty seconds before the reveal happened. Oh, as soon as he knocks on that door and smiles, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, yeah. She's, she's got a <laughs> yeah, she's movies like, have taught me. <laughs> as soon as he looked up, he I went, "Oh my god!" Too happy right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's about that time in the movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, whose story? Well, it's obvious whose story it is, isn't it? Yeah, the guy who doesn't change. It was J.K. Simmons' story. With the sequel, he's, he's a happy pastry chef. Um, oh, what else? Who else? Um, could we argue it's Natalie's story? Uh, sub story. You kind of she. Yeah, I'll go with that. She's an arc, but it's not her story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, if if you're looking at an arc like a rainbow, she's kind of like missing the f- first third and the last third. You just kind of get the boop in the middle. Yeah, because she get grows. A beginning or an because end she's really. very she's very um, eager to please and to do what she's doing, uh, and realizes that actually George Clooney's way, Ryan's way, is actually the more human way and better way. And she doesn't seem regretful when she set up her Terminators. Mm-hmm. She's not like, I wish we were doing this on the road still. No, but you see, see that's another contradiction, is it? Because when you see her watching him, when she makes those mistakes, when she jumps in face to face. I guess, I guess her theory is that she can coach them all. Yeah, I think she's learned. She's been taking notes. I can take what you've just, done yeah. to go ahead and do this. She's learned from them. So I can I can be well, how you coach me. I can coach the younger people. Mm. It comes down to personality. Question on this, Reverend Bruce. Did you think, oh, you're going to think back to your first time watching it. Did you think that George Clooney was going to get fired by one of these sessions at the end of the movie? You know, I, I didn't. I don't think I did. Because Liam was sure it was going to happen. I was happen. so sure that was going to happen. He was going to get rejected I by didn't, Alex. I didn't remember the movie well enough to tell And I thought he was going to get a video call. You're fired. Yeah, you're- you're kind of set up to. Th- I don't. I don't think that I ever actually did. Georgia, did you think so? No. Okay, I just guess. <laughs> I was. Me. I was thinking. Well, they're going to pull him off the road permanently. I didn't see him getting put back on the road necessarily. What should this film have been called? No snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wish you were here. Except for Alex. <laughs> I wish I could let you go. Ooh. It's a bit lengthy, isn't it? I wish I could let you go. Yeah, falling in love again. Yeah, because he's because he can't let he can't let Alex's character go, but he's also got to let people go from their jobs. 
Ah. Ah. A bridge too far? Then maybe just letting you go. A bridge too far? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I can't get the whole suicide thing out of my head. <laughs> I'm, because you can't take suicide lightly at all in any way, shape or form. But in this instance, in this film, that is not the way that character came across. I no. think that should have been the guy. No, but I th- no, 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 because it can't be the guy. Because I think we all need to be with George and go. No, we didn't think anything was going to happen. So no, we jo- didn't. Exactly. That's that's why it's the right character to do this. Because if it's the other one, then we blame George and go something. Someone should have looked in them, into them more. George did do something wrong here. Oh, okay. Is it someone who, we're, as the viewer, you're going, "Damn, that's scary." Then all of a sudden you're going, I blame you, George, for not doing more. Yeah, you should be accountable. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't blame him because of the so way the fact she, that we did, the way she came across, and they have that reassuring conversation, even with a punchline. Yeah, you know, but but and he sends her back in, so we go. He sends her back in, so it's not just she didn't do it. So we have to be right there with him to go. You did nothing wrong. The film easily forgives George in the, the movie to the point where when he's looking up at the board, no one's even thinking about that. Yeah, true, true. So, and enough time had passed that you barely remember this character. Because all this other stuff has happened. He's had his big emotional, you know, he, the girl's got a got a family. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, where are we at here? What is, the, what is the story here? I think it's a story about loyalty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a musical inspiration. Songs that should have been on the soundtrack. Uh, leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> 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 Um, say my name say my name say my name when no one is around you but wh- why well because she doesn't she doesn't she's hiding the secret isn't she yeah but not her name <laughs> say my name not say your name what about um hey there alex what it's like in chicago <laughs> Jeez. you're a thousand million miles away <laughs> But tonight you look so pretty. Oh, what's that yes, song? Um, um, I could really use a wish right now. Oh, wish yeah. right now. Because <laughs> they're in this night sky are like shooting stars. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm all alone, <laughs> all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Little spam a lot. There's no one here beside me. <laughs> so, yes, you can sit down, Mr. Pilot Man. <laughs> Bring that mustache over here. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else. No, I'm not very good at this game. Mm. <laughs> oh, ba- I don't know if you know Bismarcky in this country. Oh, no. baby, you. You got what I need. It's, it's intentionally attitude. But you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a friend. Have you never heard Bismarcky just a friend? Nope. No. Oh, okay. It's... Like, I'm not even doing it half the justice for how out of tune he is on these choruses. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, we've got the role of women. We've talked about a fair bit. I, I think the role of women in this film, well, I'll tell you what I think after George tells us what she thinks. As she always goes first. No, it's a, it's a good example of that you don't have to have, because it is a character study. It's not just him. It is these two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting. Um, it's. I think another reason I didn't gel with it is because I'm, not either of these two and they kind of the argue not the arguments the discussions they have kind of go you're either this or you're that and they don't really leave much space for 
grey area in that. And so... So you think George said, come on, other women, other women, we need more women. No, no, but... I've got my notepad, I'm here to learn. It's just just how, quite how, you're either this or you're this, their conversation seemed to be. Where's some of those girls who we got for the, uh, where are the women from the, um, who thought they were telling us about how they were fired? Get over here. Even in, the, been, even in the role of women section, people, even in the role of it women section. Been, it would have been great if when she went, I have a family, she went, I know you've been dumped right now, but every man who's ever had a successful marriage has sat where you're sat right now. <laughs> <laughs> you look in the glove box, I've left a packet for you. <laughs> so you found out I've got a family. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call if you still want to meet up. Uh, I think the role of the woman's fantastic. I think it's oh, I absolutely do. brilliant. I yeah. think, I love the fact that George Clooney was able to have a male-female relationship where not for one moment does he flirt with her, does he nope. hit on her. He treats her as an equal at every step of the way. Yes, at times he goes ahead and gives the old man to the to, to the to the younger person speech. I don't believe it's a young woman speech, but it's a younger person speech. And he always backs her up. He He, you know, technically she's taken his job. And yet he always... She's changed his job. Yeah, yeah. but... But I felt like he, she was taking his job. If she wins, he loses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not once did he not back her up. Not once Agreed. did he say, you know, he always said, you've done a good job. When I felt like she'd done a... He doesn't try to sabotage her training. He no. 100% tries to make her better. Yeah. So... Oh, I don't know. I think he takes her first on that, or takes her out first to be like, oh, wait, nah, this, he is, shows this her, is what you're no, he shows her. He's showing her where she's going wrong. Because he, he's, sho- he's showing how the system doesn't work. And yeah. she's, is she the embodiment of the system? Yes, but it doesn't mean he doesn't do... Sorry, I, I, can't, I can't show up your system because because you're a 23-year-old woman. No, no, no. But he's got to show up. He's a 50-year-old guy called Jack. He's initially enjoying that he's so wrong. Once he's ordered to take her on the road, from the very moment that he buys her that, he shows her to buy a new suitcase. Yep. He's acting in her best interest the rest of the film from that point on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's quite enjoying that her when she goes wrong the first couple of times. But I love that none of this went uh, went to a romantic place. Yeah, no, it's too. amazing, that, isn't it? Yeah. And then on, on, on either side, we also didn't get her like, yeah. like going on an attachment to him. And then he was able to have this separate relationship that where the woman was very empowered. Yeah. She was the one in control. She was the one... Yeah, she was one in control. All the way. Uh, I mean, he wasn't out of control. No, I'm not saying he's out of control, but she had the more she, upper hand on him. Yeah, of course she did. How so? Well, because she knew she had a family back home. He didn't. He, from okay, what so he, that side of it, yes. But. What, what he had told her was basically the truth. This is how it is. This mm-hmm. is what I want. You know, and he never lied to her in any I guess way. She, she I, lied to him. She went, I can meet those needs. Yeah. And that's also what I want. Didn't say why it was what she wanted. And to be fair, I'm not sure he says is why he wanted until she looks but him up also, on the website. When he says, you know, he and by the website, to, I mean Google. When he starts to fall for her and he says these um, endearing things, she still say them back. She don't. Well, this is the part where I think Reverend Bruce's theory is 100% on where it's 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 the flip because a yeah, guy yeah. all the time would go, oh, I really like you too, baby. Yeah. And then you find out, oh, shoot, he's got. Oh, he's got a, he's got a so family. She has the upper hand on him, doesn't she? Yeah, mm. and so what could have we, we? I tell you what, we could have done with more of. We could have done with more of a beat between when he finds out and that next step. Like let him actually let there be some fallout for five or ten minutes. Because if mm. it was reversed, that girl would be dealing with that fallout for for for, for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Okay. Time for our bests. All that favorite character or favorite performance. Either one's good enough. Reverend Bruce, we'll start with you. <clears throat> Oh, it's the George Clooney performance. I, I thought he was. I thought he was. I thought he was young, <laughs> young MC there. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> oh. You know what? You said 
favorite character when you were going to ask for best moment? Nope, nope. Fav- fav- favorite character. I was just. It was the fact that you literally. Cle- I- it was the fact that you literally cleared your throat. <laughs> I went. I have to go ahead and take I this. <laughs> I like. I like the rapper too. He's fantastic. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, so sorry. Would you say it was George Clooney? Is that what you said? Yeah, it's got to be. It's really good. Uh, Liam. Yeah, George Clooney is. Re- I felt really good in this movie. Um, he he played it very subtle. Um, you felt his emotions. Um, from being non-emotional towards things um, to being emotional. Uh, but my f- favorite performance was probably Alex. Yep. Only because I did not see that coming. And what a flip. Georgia. Yeah, if he's George Clooney, isn't it? It's, yeah. a, good, it's a good part. I agree. I mean, it could be any of the big three. Anna Kendrick does a fine job as well. I'll go with Alex as the idea of it. We're so aligned with George Clooney that we want his wants. And she comes off like this enigmatic, who's that girl mm-hmm. from the very minute we see her. And she continues to be that throughout the film. There's this air of we're getting bit by, as he gets to know her bit by bit more, so do we. And we're equally intoxicated as he is. Yep. And so when the reveal happens, it's interesting as well. We don't get this big close-up on her face. We get her just from a long-distance shot of her in the doorway. So much like Clooney, we're literally being kept at a distance. And that, for as much as I ragged on the cinematography in the reunion scene, it's great here. So I will go with her as a counterpoint to his desires. I mean, mean, how do you not choose Clooney? But still, I think this only works if you get her part right. If you cast it correctly, and it's Mm -hmm. cast very correctly. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Favorite moment, Reverend Bruce. Oh, here it is. The Alpha Tech party. <laughs> okay. Where they crash the party. Yeah, yeah. That is really fun. Because who's the rapper? That's Young MC. Young MC. He's really good. And that party just looks really fun. Like he, he he's like he's like the legit artist who sang that who like released that song. So oh yeah, and the actors they're all just digging oh, it. I bet you I, George Clooney can't dance for toffee though. He <laughs> cannot dance. You're right. I was thinking he's so charming and cool, and then he gets on the dance floor like a bit of a dad. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any kids, but you're a bit of a dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know Natalie, she starts to let her hair down. Literally, you notice yes. how she's wearing the ponytail, and then she's gradually loosening up, and she's having fun. Action. And it's just fun. It is. Liam. It's really fun. I We're going like- to crash the party? <laughs> and is, then she takes... Your name is the- Jennifer Chu. Jennifer Chu. <laughs> I'm going to go for best element of the film because I normally go for a moment. Mm-hmm. I do like the ass. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> when she goes into the... It's not her. I know, I know. I know, it's disappointing. Um... But I'm going to say um, this film was very subtle in its whole part of being the movie. It was, but it, I like the emotional beats. Um, if no matter how subtle it was, the emotional beats you got from George Clooney um, was bigger than his reactions. If that makes sense, you could feel it without seeing a big reaction, and I felt like when he. Like the bit with his the scene with his sister when he said, "Look, I will walk you down the aisle if if you've got no one." Oh, I've got somebody. You could see he was clearly hurt by that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair enough. I just want to make sure you was okay and blah blah blah. You know, when he goes to the door and sees Alex, you see he's hurt. 
you know and even in the in the the fun bits when alex turned around and said you know she slept with women <laughs> you can see he's clearly surprised yes so you feel all them little emotional beats and that's what i liked about this film it it was subtle but you felt the emotion i'm with reverend bruce i thought that party scene was great it was really a lot of fun yeah and the and the first time they meet as well and they're comparing cards that was that's a cool scene that's a yeah. cool scene yeah <sighs> I'm going to go with what the Oscars failed to go with, and that's but it's, the, the screenplay is fantastic. It's just well written, mm-hmm. and everything we're talking about are sort of devices that were created. I mean, maybe not the actual staging of the party or staging of the wedding, but these these elements that we we tie into. Uh, it's created by a, a very strong script, and our it's so tight. It's a compact story. There's three characters who matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just the three really. And yet we get we get yeah. these moments with these other characters who matter for a few minutes. But you think about Zach Galifianakis, you think about J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. you think about uh, the guy who was going to get violent and the woman who threatens to kill herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know Bateman's okay. Bateman's he's... Bateman's schmuck of the week number four. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, one yeah. of he's just one of Reitman's boys. So if Reitman's going to do a film, he's probably coming on board. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, the screenplay it, it lets everybody shine. And you can see that by the number. Look at the quality of the names attached to this movie. Hmm. That's got to be because the script is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for what it's worth, I read the book. I I oh, wow. didn't really care for the book. Okay. Isn't there like a whole cancer like subplot in the book? Oh, there's. It's very very different. There's an Alex. There's a Ryan. I don't think there's a Natalie. If I'm remembering correctly. No, it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's a male a character. Guy, yeah. 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 This was much tighter. I just thought the script, I didn't, didn't feel like there was a wasted sentence. I agree. Yeah. Really, Uh, really good. Grumble. George, we let you start off on this one. A grumble. Oh, no. One of my biggest grumbles is that when Natalie does break down and, and says that her boyfriend's broken up with her, it feels like they're taking the piss of her a little bit, even in, in her performance of it, because she's so, hysterical that it comes across as so fake so either anna kendrick can't fake cry i said that which i don't think is true or they've directed her to make it over the top and hysterical and that i think diminishes a little bit the character's worth and it feels a little bit like oh poor baby's crying because she's been broken up with because she takes it to that extra step forwards and i it made me go Oh really? We're yeah, going there. Oh great! It, it just sort of happens. Yeah, it just and then uh, we get explained backwards to us why, but the only thing i could say to try and save it i'm not saying this is the, the thing but i'm saying it, the same thing didn't is it? i think it's supposed to show she's so tightly wound that now when her mentor kind of comes down so against it it just comes i, I have no, I, I think they want alex and george to meet again on a moment of like a little bit of comedy where we don't have to explain away that she's not a romantic interest i'm all right with the moment it's Do the performance of the and, um ryan Hmm? You said Alex and George. Oh, Alex and Brian. Because she comes down the stairs oh, and yes, sees yes, them, yes, doesn't yes, she? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of shrugs and goes, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, I, I hear you. Okay, so it's not as much about that it happens. It's the, it's the performance thereof. It's the performance of yeah. it that makes it feel oh. like the production as a whole are kind of taking the mick out of younger girls who fall in love and get their hearts broken. I wonder if this is the 50-day shooting schedule showing. So it was 50 days is all they had to shoot. Right. So how many times did you get a chance for a second or third go at things? Oh no! I think she was directed to cry badly. Right, but could you have done? Top. Could you have done two or three and two and a better one? Maybe if you had more time. No, that's not what I mean. I feel oh, like yeah, the, the okay. production as a whole, the director was his right, Jason, Jason, Reitman. Jason Reitman. Reitman, 
it feels it felt to me the performance felt so over the top and like teen dramery that that's how she was so there's two people we got to put this on number one is either jason reitman or number two she can't act yeah okay yeah that's yeah well he left it in the film so it goes to him i guess in the end of the day yeah yeah uh liam um probably the the, the camera at the cinematography and the, yeah, yeah, yeah that was a bit that just didn't you're right that didn't feel i didn't feel right at the time it was too shaky yeah reverend bruce Reverend Bruce? I go, I, yeah, I'm oh, thinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem, with, problem <laughs> with Zoom. You're like, I don't know if you heard me or not. <laughs> no, I, no, I, heard you. I might call this an averted grumble. I think that it veers towards sentimentality toward the end, but I think it corrects itself. That wedding could have gone a little bit off the rails. Yeah. But I think it writes itself. If that makes sense, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. It's in danger of you. You could have gone, gone to some schmaltzy places. And, yeah, uh, it it was bordering schmaltz, but I think it um, caught itself. I think, I think the use of a montage to yada yada through through the wedding helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also going to go with Anna Kendrick, <laughs> who I think outside of these two scenes, I think she does a fantastic job in this film. I really, really do. Uh, but my vote's going to go towards the scene on the pier. Yeah. Where I'm like, it just makes, and I, I applauded the script, but I'm like, it just, maybe it's a performance. I have no idea why you don't just find a better way to have this fight. Yep. Besides, you were with us the whole two, unless she said something, it just, it just felt the void of logic. Like, Ryan's an intelligent man. He's a man who's logical. He's a man who understands emotional, you know, wants and needs exactly and none of these were paid off in a way and and who is she to say any of this i don't understand this no it came out of nowhere so like if we were to get mad and we should potentially if she, she didn't ask for advice all the let me tell you about the school of hard knocks <laughs> speeches that she gets she's got no right to go ahead and project her breakup on him and his relationship true when they seem happy as clams yeah just because at, at that just because you snuck out on your guy in the middle, don't, don't think that there's anything wrong with what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anybody's best role ever. I'm really going to give Clooney a good th- a good think on this one. Mm. I don't know Vera Famiga well enough in anything else. I can't give her a thing there. No, I can't. Either. Anna Kendrick. Um, I think she's been better. Yeah, I don't Clooney. really know her well enough. I'm trying to think. Into the woods. I don't know about that. Um, Pitch perfect. I'm not giving her. She had a small role in Devil Wears Prada. Is she one of the friends? I know she's in Twilight. I'm not giving her a vote for that. I've not seen that either. (laughs) You're not missing much. Um, (laughs) But George Clooney, a guy who's got several Oscar noms. I don't think he's won. I could be wrong. I don't think he has either. A guy's got several Oscar noms, and I love Ocean's Eleven. I do. This is a much different. No, I'm going to go with this. This is yeah. George Clooney's best work yet. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah, there's some very others subtle. that are close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that, um, if it's not played right, you could really hate that character, yeah. but you don't. Not at all. Not at, at any point. Yeah, we we, yeah. we shared before. Reitman said, like, for this guy to do what he's going to do, you better have a charming guy playing him. And yeah. is there anybody more charming than George Clooney? I'm like, until he dances? No, there's no one more charming than this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, it's time for... I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? 
Age game, age game. Let's all play the truncated age game. All right. So without a mind, I've got four. Oh, okay. Okay. Keeping it, keeping it low key here. Um, <laughs> let's start off with uh, George. George, uh, he'd be the main character. George. Um, did uh, I'm trying to think? Of, uh, did you recognize this was the same guy who did Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. Okay. So how old do you think George is in this? Fifty six. Liam. Uh, 49. And Reverend Bruce? Uh, 42. Liam, you're really close. 48, buddy. <sighs> yep, nice. Let's go next to Vera Famiga, who played Alex. 33. Liam? 39. And Reverend Bruce? 36. I would have split the difference, too, and you're bang on. 36 is right. All right. <laughs> well, let Liam start this one here. Uh, we're going to go with Anna Kendrick. Anna, Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. 23. Georgia. 25. And Reverend Bruce. Oh, 22. Should have split the difference. 24. <laughs> 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 That's one for Georgia. One, a half point for Georgia, half point for Liam. Uh, uh, and then finally, uh, we had Georgia go first twice. We we'll have Liam go first twice. J.K. Simmons. Oh. Oh, okay, so J.K. Simmons is the old guy who gets fired and shows the pictures of his kids. Yep. Okay. Fifty-four. Georgia. Fifty-six. And Reverend Bruce. Uh, Fifty-five something. No, fifty-three. Wouldn't have mattered. Split the difference. Liam got right at fifty-four. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Liam wins this one. Ready for this? Yeah. J.K. Simmons, only six years older than George Clooney in this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't the it? age gap between Famiga and uh, Clooney, 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they didn't look... They didn't look they, out of place. They didn't look out of place at no. all. So that's all right. And that chemistry was... Look, amazing. it was Clooney and Kendrick. Yeah, you... you yeah, then yeah. we got to have some conversations. You could see, you could see yeah, there yeah. was a big Clooney difference there. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, there we are. Um, if I take a look now and go, the critics, the critics, the good, the bad, and the Ebes, Georgia, what did they think about this? So we have got Kenneth Turin from the Los Angeles Times who says, it's hard to think of an actor who's better at projecting the professional smoothness that is essential to make this character palatable, but Clooney turns out to be a to be willing to take that persona further. So big old, big old ups there for Miss Clooney. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Dana Stevens from Slate, who says, uh, Jason Reitman's third film has the lifespan of a state fair churro. Tasty at the point of consumption, it congeals soon afterwards into its component ingredients of sugar and lard. <laughs> who was that? Dana Stevens from Slate. Oh, Dana, I imagine. D-A-N-A? Yeah. Yeah, Dana. Dana. Okay. Uh, and then I was looking Typical for Eve. Dana. <laughs> I was looking for Ebes and I read his entire review because actually the little snippet that he gives you on Rotten Tomatoes isn't great. Then I read the review and he's basically just summed it up. He's not really done much really? reviewing it. It's a bit rubbish. Yeah. Uh, so the little summy uppy bit that he's got is up in the air, takes the trust people once had in their f- jobs and pulls out the rug. It's a film for this time. He gives it four out of four. So I guess he's kind of just, yeah, it's it's not great. Mm. Mm. I'm just the taking a look. Review. I'm just taking a look here. Uh, can, can I add something? Yeah, I found something on a different thing. It's on TonyWatkins.uk, but it's Roger Ebert on Jason Reitman's Up in uh, the Air. The film has a lot to say about unemployment, but it isn't about the economy or living on the road. It's about loneliness. A feeling the George Clooney character thought he would never experience. To a fellow road warrior, he insists he never wants to get married, never wants to have children, doesn't own a home. He gives inspirational talks on how to empty the backpack of your life. All of the Oh, and then it just stops. Oh, sorry. Mm. <laughs> uh, maybe this is just the same thing. Yeah. It's not great. It's just he kind of retells the plot and says people are good and then says how 
Reitman's other films are good and is excited to see where yeah. he goes in the future. Interesting, but he gave it four stars, did he? Yeah. Okay, great. Hmm. Uh, I'm not too surprised because it was a 7.4, I think, on IMDb and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. As films that get nominated for Best Screenplay almost mm-hmm. always come above 90% because mm-hmm. critics like well-written films. Um, so there we are. I put out a fleece, as I'm known to do. It didn't get a lot of traffic, which I think speaks to the... Um, the fact that this didn't hit a lot of people, for whatever reason, this kind of flew under <laughs> their radar, <laughs> if you You're will. you it didn't get a lot of air traffic. Yeah, I'm saying that. Is this a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? With 50% of the votes, Up in the Air is an okay film. Mm. Very surprised by that. Yeah. I said, it was just last week, I said, you know, our, 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 for us, I don't know what everyone else is talking about, Twitter's a very positive place. They love all the films we bring. <laughs> I will say a smaller number than, a much smaller number than usual. Probably a third of the traffic we would usually get for, for an average film. So, um, a small number of people were able to make a big difference, but that is the, the word of the peeps who were there. Uh, Georgia, what did the fledgling fandom have to say? Uh, just one this week. We've got from Richard, who says... He's carrying the entirety of the vote when it comes time for yeah. that. He is, yeah. Ever watch a movie and feel absolutely nothing? Well, maybe next to nothing. I've been ill all week, so I don't know whether it was just suffering from an illness-induced delirium when I watched this, but it just kind of <laughs> washed over me. No, that sounds too positive. It just kind of happened at me anyway it's pretty smart and really slickly made while relying heavily on a couple of really great performances Clooney is is clooniest probably some of his best stuff he's he's his typical smug but charming self for the most part but the powerful and quite moving stuff comes later in the film when the smarmy facade is cracked highlight for me was Vera Farmiga though such a great performance shout out to the third and fourth best performances of the film to Anna Kendrick's left eyebrow and Anna Kendrick's right eyebrow Richard's added so much that he joined because his stuff is great. <laughs> Despite the dip it takes when he goes to that fucking wedding, this really whips along and is a slick, easy breeze, easy breezy watch, but it just didn't grab me on the whole. I wasn't picking up what it was putting down. It's not shit, though. Maybe I'll rewatch when I'm not dying. There we go. Nice. Uh, I will say, the bit about watching his facade drop as the film comes along, like, bang on. Yeah. Mm. Like, he's a different guy at the various points in the movie. You can see, like... There's an impact having on both. And I don't think it's just solely about Alex's thing. I think the stuff with Anna Kendrick helps as well. Mm-hmm. Because having a care, he usually travels by himself. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, oh, it's such a complex so, movie. Yeah, I prefer that relationship, I think, actually. What, the mentor and mentee? A bit more, yeah. Okay. A bit more of it would be nice. It's the hard part because for her to win means he has to lose. Like, it really is this, like, really complicated. Actually, maybe never seen where he actually has to sort of comp- like theorize that. But who does he talk? There's not another character who he can talk to unless he's talking to Alex mm-hmm. yeah. about why you're doing this with her. Yeah, and that would be a bonding scene which could show the romance kind of growing because now they're sharing and can fu- maybe. And she can be not willing to share back, and then you get a bit of a warning sign that maybe and something's she- up, and it's not quite as much of a. I think I like the whatever noise you made there. It's not quite wow. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not repeating it. I'm not giving you another <laughs> chance to find it and put it on a button. Um, so there was that. So I'll take a look at what the fledgling fandom thought of it. I don't think I really got anything out of it. Let's take a look here. Uh, Josh, your next favorite movie, said, I watched this one years ago and remember enjoying it, but don't remember it well enough to give it a proper vote. And Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Dwayne Smith. said, sorry, not seeing this again. I did it earlier. We'll, so. of course, be listening, though. Hey, I, I tell you what, Dwayne, I was listening to your tweet while they talked through it, so there we go. I just got I was, a death stare. <laughs> that is fair. Liam is in, like, I have to do 
like full co-host duties right now. I've been here for an hour and a half. Am I that invisible? We just when you start something, it's just about <laughs> I've got myself straightened out there. Yeah, yeah. If you like this film or episode, you would like well all the Reverend Bruce picks. Yeah, yeah. but well, I good picks. The town. I am seen that still. Our other favorite, almost a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, uh, singing in the rain. Oh, yeah. that's good. Casablanca. You. What else am I missing? Can't remember. Oh, Chariot's Fire. Great. Yeah. Chariot's Fire. Yeah. See, I remember these things. Um, and then uh, anything, I mean, if you like George Clooney, I mean, definitely go Ocean's see Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. I mean, yeah. he's great in that too. And that's a little, little smug for laughs. This is a bit of a smug for sometimes laughs and sometimes a little bit of poignancy. Mm-hmm. So there we are. Uh, now it's time for our ratings. Our ratings. Uh, let's start with Georgia. Um, I think I'm kind of on board with Richard. Like it, it, it happened. It's very good, but it didn't. It's not my sort of entertainment. I did find it to be a little bit for a film that takes place mostly in the skies. Too grounded um, in what felt quite real, um, and therefore i didn't get as much entertainment out of it as i think i would have done had they have gone somewhere a little bit different with the ending maybe because i was invested but not enough for it for a more muted ending to satiate what i wanted from film if that makes sense um and with that and the performances are great it is very well written i just yeah i just wanted a little bit more of something something i don't know just just a little something just a little you know just a little little sprinkle of salt or something maybe um and with that in mind sorry i'm a bit all over the place this evening i am going to give it uh seven missed flights out of ten guy doesn't miss any flights i know it it felt like he was there when they first meet in the airport lounge is he not on the phone just beforehand saying he's got 20 minutes until he's up in the skies and then definitely does not get on a plane oh, in the next de- 20 minutes. If that's the case, he would have... Def- or is that the that, that, how many tone is his... Because he tells a few porky pies, doesn't he, in this movie? Yeah, maybe, but... He has an assistant who shows up for none of the other half of the movie. Oh, do you no. recognize the assistant? I don't, can't even remember his assistant. There's an assistant who picks up the phone, and he's oh, from Glow. Guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's from Glow. So I thought you might recognize who that was. I watched the first, like, four episodes of Glow. He's the guy who has the AIDS scare About five Glow. years ago. No, you watch, I thought you watched most of Glow. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Liam. I'd never seen this film before, and this film is very subtle in how it comes across. I do like it, but I didn't really get, like Georgia, I felt like I needed a little bit of something else. Um saying that that's one of um i did really enjoy george clooney in this and i really liked the lady played alex um anna kendrick was good in parts um some scenes didn't really work for me but most of it did it kind of it it juggled emotion but the film was monotonal if that makes sense the emotion juggled but the film you you did like a four minute speech about the tonal shifts in this film and now you're calling it monotone well it didn't there was no rah or explosion or anything do you know i mean it was just you want to be a christopher nolan thing no 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 no. she has a husband no i don't it just didn't it, it didn't grab me grab me it it slowly grabbed me 
So I'm not saying it's a bad film because it's not. I did enjoy it. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to give it seven people to reach a uh, 10 million miles flying out of 10. The irony is he's the seventh person to have ever done it. So one of you guys could have found that one as your throw to. That's what I said. Yes, seven. well, he's seven people to reach 10 million miles. That's what Liam literally just said. Oh, okay. Just I guess, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, there's one for the coda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Bruce. There's a mistake. <laughs> Reverend Bruce, I don't know if George is trying to suggest that you're a mistake. I don't think no. you're anything like that, buddy. <laughs> So between Liam yelling at James de Guzman last week and Georgia calling you a mistake, I mean, we're not being very nice to our, uh, to our guests. That is what that was. I was no, calling, no, no, no. I was calling, no, hang on. I was calling your, your mistake out. Again, here they already. And here we go. We'll throw back okay. to Reverend Bruce. I like films. Now, the cliche that we use is we, I like films that have curveballs in them. It's mm. subtle, but it's got curveballs in it. For instance, one of the things that was mentioned is, do you remember where um, Anna Kendrick went to college? She went to Cornell and was at the top of her class. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's an Ivy League university. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So she can do anything she wants. But the guy at the end said, you went to Omaha to fire people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she said, I did it. I followed a boy. Oh, we've all done that. But that's kind of a curveball decision. I don't know many people who would actually do that. Mm. But I know she a couple. Does it. Maybe, maybe there would, but it's not what you would expect because in terms of the geography, I don't know anybody who's from Omaha. That's like <laughs> the last place I'd want to live. <laughs> To any of our Nebraska listeners, the views there are these. <laughs> no, are those are Reverend Bruce? No, uh, everyone from Nebraska is going to siege my house now. But <laughs> it's not one of your more exciting places. So you got that. You've got George Clooney, who he does go through some kind of transformation. But then the Vera Farmiga, that is such a gender bending thing they do with her. Mm hmm. Um, every time I see it, I still find it a devastating ending, but I like yeah. that. So there's the film has, it's smart and it's subtle, but it, for some reason, it probably grabs me more than maybe some others. And those are the reasons. So I'm going to give it, uh, I'll, it's a solid eight, eight Reverend Bruce's written on the side of a plane. <laughs> I like it. I have some notes from Ethan. Oh, you got the notes. I got them. I thought they were going to you. This film took me for a ride. I thought it was going to be some nihilistic comedy at the start, but it took this beautiful turn into the beauty of life's normality and our obsession with pointless consumerism we never use. The last 30 minutes brought me to tears in the best way possible. I've not been able to stop thinking about this film and disgust. Everything this film discussed, I know it's going to stay with me. I love a film that really makes me think about my own life in relation to all this. Not that I've quantum leaped into someone using an EasyJet VIP card or something. (laughs) Uh, Just visualizing how I view my world and what I have in relation to what the film discussed. One of the last things discussed in the film before Clooney decides to take Anna Kendrick's advice and just see what flights are available to choose a random flight destination is purpose. The man's kids are his purpose, and it left. I think the man means J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And it left me thinking about what my purpose is for getting up in the morning each day, and the luck I feel to have what I do have in my life. 
Daniel McBride and his wife might not be the most comfortable financially, but they've got each other. Their purpose is to keep going. Vera Farfamiga is an amazing subversion, where for her that still isn't really enough. What I think is really well shown with the loyalty card show off between her and Clooney, showing how many pointless plastic rectangles they've acquired. I adored this film and its bittersweet ending. I'm giving this nine terrible Jason Bateman haircuts out of ten. <laughs> wow. My turn. I hate it when Ethan comes in and steals my thunder. <laughs> this is a great movie. Without well, qualifications, it's a great movie. It's small. It's tight. It asked me to ask big questions that can be pertained, as Ethan said, to everyday life. Um, but also I can get lost in the overall messages about, you know, are we wrong to question for the decisions he's making? Uh, Roger Ebert said it's a film about loneliness. He might be right there. Or he might not. Mm. But I think this film is incredibly well written. I think it's incredibly well acted, save for a couple of shaky points from Anna Kendrick. I won't talk about the eyebrows. I wasn't paying close enough attention. <laughs> but it stayed with me the first time I watched it in a way that lingered. And when a film does that, it's hit rarefied air. <laughs> Up in the rarefied air, if you will. So I'm going to give it nine times I was sat on the right side of a desk, and that's how I was able to start a movement out of ten. <laughs> nice. No, yeah, yeah. I, I was all over the place, even while, even while talking about it. There were times where I dropped a little bit below that. There were times where I was a little bit higher than that. Uh, but no, nine's where it sits. I like a well-written movie. I mean, that's, that's no surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't need an explosion as they walk through the airport to catch their flight. <laughs> Him staring at a, a screen not knowing where he's going is my idea of a powerful ending. Uh, and that's okay. And it's okay for people to not feel that way as well. But I'm curious what our single Patreon backer, um, our one friend of the podcast, uh, it could be anywhere based on his comments. I'm going to guess it's the sevens of the voice of the people on this one. Uh, yeah, sevens are a bit high. You went with a six. You went with a six? Yep. Okay, so that takes us to 1832.46 divided by 5, divided by 6 is about, it's just under 8, probably around 7.5. That sounds about right. Somewhere around 7.5, I'll do the math later. Also known as I'll let Excel do the math later. (laughs) (laughs) I could do it in 30 seconds, but Excel does it, so there we go. Uh, As always, we want to thank, first and foremost, Reverend Bruce for joining us, for bringing another quality film to the table. I love Up in the Air, so I've been waiting for this forever, so I am glad now that uh, we have cleared our takeoff on it and that uh, (laughs) we've brought it in for a safe landing. Uh, We want to thank the rest of our Patreon backers. If you want to do what Reverend Bruce has done, if you want to bring a film to us and have us talk about it and love it and crap on it and do all those things (laughs) for what's probably coming up on four hours now, get a hold of us. Let us know. You can find out more. Patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. Now all that's left to do is to go ahead and say what we're doing next week. Yeah. I've got my notes. Cue Georgia. I was on it. I was on it. Are you good? Good. Okay, this is a film that actually celebrated a major anniversary just before New Year, but the schedule didn't allow me to celebrate it fully until then. Now, we learned that Ryan in this film has flown for 10 million miles. Mm -hmm. That's God knows how many times back and forth to the moon. (laughs) He's gone around the world a whole bunch of times. He's probably seen Timbuktu. He's probably seen all corners of the globe and found out it's not just a wonderful world. 
It is a spice world. Oh, cool. <laughs> Next week, we are telling you what you really, really want is we are watching the 1997 film Spice World to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Wow. Is it fitting we are Ten. doing this the same night we record the resties? <laughs> that is about 10 million early cameos. Nominee for next year's title. So next wow. week. Choose your favorite Spice Girl because we're talking Spice World. Mel B, Mel C, Emma, Victoria, and Jerry yeah. in Spice World. Cool. So there we are. So uh, I don't think I'll be applauding the well-written tightness of next week's <laughs> film the way I did this. This has the potential to beat. I haven't seen it since 1998, probably. This has the potential to beat Howl's Moving Castle. I my haven't, I haven't film. seen this all the way through. I mean, not. No, and do you know what? There are cameos after cameos yep. after cameos. I've got stories to share so about this film. I think we should we should have not only our favourite character, but our favourite cameo. <laughs> we can talk about that for next week. <laughs> yeah. There we go. But we, yeah, we have one more time. I want to thank Reverend Bruce for bringing us, taking us out of the clouds, up in the air, and back down to us. It's always a pleasure to have Reverend Bruce on the Absolutely. show. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are so welcome. Hey, there we are. All right, so you know what to do by now. You're old hot at this. After after Liam, just throw your name in the in the in the walk down, and then make sure to echo my flippity flop. Because please join us next week as we go up in the air <laughs> to see what's going on in Spice World. Cool. For best film ever, I've been. In. I've been Liam. I've been Reverend Bruce, and I've been Georgia. And hey, you know, sometimes it's really good to have those cards to show your loyalty, to gain your points. But when I think about our listenership, I think about what Ryan learned in this movie. That's that sometimes life has its own rewards. We'll catch you on the flippity flap. Up in the air on the flippity flip flop. (laughs) 